Hi, this is Jane Johnson and you're listening to Australian Survivor Archives. podcast going over the complete history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way right through to the current day. We are getting very much deep into Season 1 of Australian Survivor. We are learning so much and we're also learning so much from the contestants who played the game. And today, I've got to say, I'm very excited because we've had some great guests on this show, we've had some memorable guests on this show, but we've never had royalty on this show and I for one thought this would never happen. I thought we're never going to get somebody with royal blood in them but today this is happening. I'm so excited for this. I'm going to say that my name is Ben Waterworth and I'm going to hand it over to my fellow royal fan to finish the rest of this introduction. (laughs) I'm glad you're excited Ben and everyone should be excited because we do have royalty here. It's been a roller coaster ride as we've We've spoken about throughout our recaps, and uh, today we've got. Well, it's my absolute pleasure to announce who we have today because she is the youngest Australian survivor in the history of this game. She's all grown up now, eighteen years later, nineteen years later. But uh, you know her as Jane Dalton. We now know her as Jane Johnson. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here today, Jane. Oh, thank you so much. It's um, a privilege to be back talking to you guys and I'm looking forward to uh, giving you a lot of good information. <laughs> but I, I must admit, I was never called royalty on the show. I can tell you that now. Well, you're welcome. It's only taken 18 years, but it's about time that finally you get the credit for the credit that you deserve because it, it's been it's been fun talking about you because Matt sort of mentioned a little bit about it being a roller coaster. And it really has because we're kind of riding the the waves of the edit. And one week it's kind of like, oh, Jane, there she is. She's great. Next week it's, eh, Jane's shit. She's not doing anything. Then the next week it's like, oh, Jane's fantastic. Here she is again. And she's shit again. But now she's great again. And I think at least by the time you got voted off, you were great. So hence why you are Queen Jane. So uh, we appreciate this, Your Highness, for you joining us today. Oh, thank you. I'm actually, Like I said, I'm actually really looking forward to it because I thought, I'm going to be really honest in this interview. I'm going to be, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you exactly um, what I thought of the show, um, what I thought of the contestants and everything. There's no sugarcoating this. This is my chance at redeeming myself somehow. And uh, and do you know what, guys? At the end of the day, yes, I was the youngest and I, I still am pretty um, chuffed that I did make it all, like did make it to the final six and people will say, and yes, I was carried to the end. Um, But do you know what? That still got me to final six and uh, yeah, I'm I'm stoked. Well, I love the fact that you said you're going to, you're going to lay it all out on the table today and be honest, because we recently did an interview with Jeff Brown, who was the oldest member of the cast. 
And there was a lot of honesty from Jeff. He didn't hold back. And uh, we know that all the contestants, I mean, there's no bad blood between anyone, but that's the game of Survivor. You're not going to get along with everyone. They do that. They deliberately cast people that aren't going to get along with every single person. That would make for a boring game. But the fact that you went into this game as an 18-year-old, Jane, I can relate. I applied for your season. I was 18. I never got on the show. You you took my spot, Jane. We sort of had a bit of a laugh about this um, beforehand, communicating. But but now I look back, and I ended up playing as a as a thirty five year old. And and I look back now, I think I couldn't imagine playing this game as an eighteen year old. You did it. You're the only one in Australian Survivor history that's ever played as an eighteen year old. So so to be able to sit back today, and 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 like you said, hear the honesty coming from you playing this game as an eighteen year old. Is is what we just what Ben and I really wanted to talk to you about today and get you on the show. And do you know what? When when the American Survivor first started, I don't think like I don't really remember um, even seeing the first or second episode. And someone said, "Oh, you should watch this new show, Survivor." And um, anyway, so I tuned in and started watching the very first um, season of the American one and. I was absolutely captivated. Like I loved it. It was unlike any other reality television. It was um, mental, physical. It was um, surviving on an island or surviving, you know, in these remote locations and it just looked so appealing. And I watched and and to be honest, when we when I applied for it, the show was really still in its infancy. So now they've had, what is it, 40 seasons and we just watched the last one um, that finished last week. And it is um, like the game itself has naturally evolved and got, um, I don't know, just like a lot more fun and interesting. But when I did it, it was still so new and even the concept of the show was still um, new to me. Yes, I, you know, outwit, outplay, outlast, but it was, I don't know, it was just one of those things where I was I was naive going into it and um, probably hadn't seen enough of it to um, fully prepare myself, I guess you could say. <laughs> well, I think the thing too that a lot of people need to realise is that at that point in US Survivor, they were only opening it up to 21 and over. They weren't letting people under 21 apply at that point. I think it was only around season 15, 16 that they all of a sudden said, hey, you can be 18. And then we finally got a contestant on season 18 who was 18. So it took them a long time to do that. So it is, as Matt was saying, uh, you know, a big thing to apply at that age. I, I've said constantly on this show, I was an absolute dickhead at 18. I, there's no way I could ever imagine playing a tough game <laughs> like Survivor as much as I love the show. So is that what drew yeah. you into applying? You enjoyed that and thought, well, hey, it doesn't matter my age. I can give this a crack at this because I think I'm ready to to play this game. Yeah, absolutely. I was, um, I, I think it was after the um, Australian um, American one, which was season two, is that correct? Yeah. yeah. They um, they had this ad pop up and they said, do you want to go on Australian Survivor? And I was like, uh, yes. And then they kept asking questions. I'm like, yes. And then, uh, and it said, go on, follow this link. And anyway, I was like, why not? Like I was fresh out of school and I loved the game, like a massive fan of the game. And, uh, and, I guess um, there was things that, uh, what do you, how would I say, like the, the hunger side of it, nothing can prepare you 
for the starvation um, that was to come. So, like, to me, it was just a game. It was, um, you know, uh, tribal councils and all that sort of stuff. But there was the real side of it, which... uh, played a massive part of, um, I don't know, just how I managed out there and all, all the rest. So uh, anyway, we I said to my my dad, I said I'd, I'd filmed this awful videotape in the backyard, set it up on a tripod, and um, I was like, this is not survivorish at all. So then we quickly, because I think the uh, applications were closing soon after, went down to a local beach and it looked real like a survivor location. Anyway, so I went down and, and did my video and sent it off. And sure enough, I got the call back or and a letter, which I still have everything, um, copies of the contract and uh, all the first correspondence. I remember the phone call saying that you're on the show. And, and uh, yeah, so I think, um, you know, at, at the time, why not? I was, I had nothing else to do as well. So, uh, and I just, like I said, just a massive fan and what an opportunity, couldn't say no. Um, and and despite all the negativity with it, I actually really enjoyed my time on on the the program, and um, and it's still one of those uh, vivid memories that I have, and um, I love it. A great experience I will have with me forever. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jane, but you were still living at home at the time. Is that is that right when you were um, when you applied? Yep, living at home. I'd literally, uh, I think when we applied, it was like the June, July. So I'd only been out of school about six months. And uh, then I applied and then it all happened really quickly after that. So they got, um, when they started narrowing it down, you'd go to, uh, I think they sent us to Sydney for like the psych part of it and, you know, doing questionnaires and all the rest. And then, um, and then just, you were down to like the final 50 and then down to the so on. And then we got the call. So yeah, I, I, I was doing TAFE at the time and um, then got the the call to sales on and then just left it and went off on an adventure. And I think it's important for our listeners to understand like where you were at in your life when you applied, because we, we heard from Craig recently, he was 27. He'd just come off a three year traveling stint in South America where, you know, where he would have built up so much life experience where here you are six months out of high, high school, you know, going to TAFE. Had you done camping before? Was that your lifestyle? Like, did you like that sort of stuff? Or were you just looking for, you know what, I'm an adult. I just want the adventure of a lifetime. Uh, like we did family camping trips, but to, to say, did I sort of rough it um, for any particular time beforehand? No. Um, like I said, there was just, you know, family camping at Easter and and all the rest. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. To be honest, that was part of the thing that I really enjoyed. I loved when I was out there, I loved the, the when I say no routine of things, like you because there was no food to eat virtually. So there was you just wake up and there was no showers and you just sort of started the day. So, um, you know, I think often the, the show portrayed me potentially as this princess, but, it, it, it truly didn't bother me. Like, yes, I, I wasn't a fan of touching raw fish and gutting fish and that sort of stuff. I don't know too many people who love doing that. Um, but, uh, you know, to say that to rough it bothered me, I wouldn't say that at all. Of course, you turned into a queen. You might have started off as a princess, but you eventually, you know, <laughs> see, see. I'll, I'll, 
Oh. Matt, Matt, we said this on that episode. You said maybe print. And I said no, Queen. Come on now, see, like this is this clarification. What what did you what did your parents think and all or your family and, and friends think of you applying for Survivor? Well, I initially told everyone I was applying for the show, and so obviously my immediate family knew exactly what was happening. Um, but then, as the um, the application process progressed we were told we weren't allowed to say anything so even down to the point when we signed into a hotel for an interview I was given a fake name Kate Burrows I still ah, remember it. right well I'm liking we're learning all these fake names there we go yeah I was given a fake name and I still remember the time I ordered room service and just naturally signed my my real name and I always <laughs> died <laughs> I was like I've given it all away um but uh yeah so and then I had to go quiet and then everyone got suspicious and then I just vanished for like six or seven weeks. And then, you know, I think that obviously started um, people talking. But, um, yeah, I just sort of kept it quiet and um, and then let my family defend me. Because I can imagine that is a tricky thing for an 18-year-old to kind of just disappear because it's it's a little bit different to somebody who's a bit older who maybe has more of a, a career and a life and things like that. You just come out of school, as you said. You're going to have lots of friends. You're going to, you know, be doing things that 18-year-olds want to do, going out on the weekend and things like that, and all of a sudden you, you're missing for a couple of months. So I, I could imagine the, the stories that you would have had to tell to go out would have been a bit of fun. I know. Well, I think they're all sort of... Um, like even at TAFE, I remember them just thinking, why would you leave when we've only got like two weeks left? I'm like, <laughs> oh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> um, and friends, yeah, I, I don't know. I just um, just managed to slip away and they had no one else to ask, I guess. So, um, but my parents were really stoked for me because they knew um, and my dad loved the show as much as I did at the time. And, and uh, it um, yeah, they were really, really excited. I think naturally every parent is cautious. Like my mum was the emotional side, you know, like just brace yourself because a lot of, um, you know, ne- negative feedback and, um, you know, I guess press can come from this. And and then my dad's like, go on an adventure. Like he was really excited, like go for it, you can do it. And they both were. But I think mum was just like, look after yourself. And my dad's like, go for it. So, uh, yeah, it was really – it was – it was actually, and, and as well, yeah, it was a massive thing because I'd never lived out of home and it was just that, I don't know, just I, and in a funny way, like I love my parents and it was just that separation even from being comfortable. Like it was, it was actually a big, a big thing for me at the time. You mentioned you were a big fan of the US one. Did you go back over some tapes? Did you kind of take anything from that? Do you look at people like uh, Elizabeth and Colleen and Amber at the time who were kind of that younger female? They all went quite deep in the game playing a similar way that you obviously played and we'll talk about that at some point. But do, do you take inspiration from people like that? Well, I still remember Colleen. I still remember her game, like the real sweet, um, you know, little Colleen. And then the same with Elizabeth. Um, I, I don't know. I just, um, you know, if they can do it, I can do it. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. It was just it was too good of an opportunity to pass up. So I'm actually really glad I did it. One thing that I'm always interested in is is the whole process of when you're being interviewed to to get on the show. You're, you know, you're fighting it out against all these other people that they're considering putting on the show. So that's where the game really starts. So when when you're sitting there getting interviewed, you're probably down to the last fifty. Were you aware that 
like, were they worried the fact that you were only 18 or were you aware that this is a character I'm going to be, be played as, as the, the young 18-year-old that doesn't have a lot of life experience? Well, like you said before um, or I heard before, they you, you don't want a cast of entirely the same um, personalities, ages. You want the diversity. Uh, so I, I, I'm sure they looked at me as an immature 18-year-old who... <laughs> Probably didn't have much of a chance, um, but could make for um, you know good good viewing potentially um, just to mix it up. And then you pair someone like me who could be typecast as lazy or young and the no life experience that they all said I didn't have at eighteen, which is true. Like how much can you expect me to have? And then you've got someone like a um, an athlete like Katie, and then you know of course there's going to be friction because she's she gets upset that I'm not on her same level. Joel, you've got him as like the motivator, and um, because we sh- didn't share the same passion, that was irritating. And so you've got all these different personalities that clash, and it was perfect. I think our team and both teams had the. Um, the right group of people to keep it interesting. Uh, and you know what? I think, well, and definitely if I were to have my time again, would I play a different game? Absolutely. Now, the one question we do love asking everybody is their thoughts on the location. I can imagine you thought, oh, I'm on Survivor, we're going to Samoa or Fiji or somewhere amazing. You end up in South Australia. Uh, your, your first thoughts when you found out where you were? Do you know what? I was gutted. I'm not even going to lie. When um, we had no idea where we were going. So we were given these e-tickets which were um, fly here. I don't even think we knew the destination. So everything was organised, jump on a plane on this date and then go here. So we did that, ended up in Adelaide. And then uh, I think we had a night or two at a hotel before we then flew off to the location (laughs) And I can't remember or not, but I don't even think they asked for a passport. Maybe they did or I actually can't remember, but something inside me made me think that we weren't travelling overseas. Anyway, um, anyway, so we got to an airport. We hopped on this little plane. We had to, after takeoff, all the shutters had to go down. We weren't allowed to see where we were flying. Then when we arrived, we were in um, vehicles, um, on location with black plastic all over the windows. So we technically <laughs> didn't have any idea. But I, I, I honestly, I had thought and fantasised about being stuck on a island location somewhere. And do you know what? It didn't have to be overseas, but just somewhere other than a rough cliffline coast, um, sleeping in dirt, sitting amongst the sticks, uh, and it was freezing. It was so <laughs> cold. So, yes, I was actually disappointed that we weren't um, somewhere more idyllic. <laughs> well, I could imagine myself as 18 at the time. That that would have been the first time I would have been going overseas if I, if I would have gone on a show thinking that, oh, I'm going to go overseas. This, yeah, that would have been a big thing. So, yeah, I could imagine yeah. then. So then all of a sudden you end up down in Adelaide, then out at Whaler's Way. You would have, I mean, although you would have been excited, oh, I'm still on a show, you're like, I'm still, still in Australia. Yeah, well, and, and like I said, I think it actually did catch everyone um, off guard because 
when you arrive uh, for the show, you, you're told you're allowed, I think we're allowed two pairs of swimmers, two pairs of underwear, I think maybe two bras. I think, again, like the memory fades quick. It was like two pairs of shorts and um, two tops, like two pants, two, two tops. We all arrived in board shorts, singlet shirts, um, joggers, like preparing for this like heat <laughs> and we froze and it was freezing. <laughs> they actually, um, someone at the time told me it was the coldest weather, like spring, summer they'd had since 1937. So it was snowing in certain parts of Southern Australia. It was freezing. So um, I don't know, like I said, it's just all the elements, you know, that add to the experience. Which is, it is yeah, like as Matt said, you know, that age you, you're thinking you're going to have this, you know, great exciting adventure and then you end up there. And, yeah, we've, we've heard several stories about how 40, 50, 60 years prior to that summer they had glorious weather. It was going to be 30 degrees every single day on paper. This sounded like it was going to be a fantastic location and in the end it wasn't. And, we, and we, I think it was one day, I think it was Lance's vote out, you, the sun finally came out, you all went to the beach and it looked fantastic on camera when we saw that but that was yeah. one day that we saw that and for the rest you guys were in dries of bones basically all the time. Well, and that was the other thing as well. I, uh, because it was so cold, um, they actually did have a duty of care to to actually give us something. So we ended up with those. Um, uh, what are uh, you uh, yeah, the big RM Williams dry as a bone jacket. <laughs> yeah, yes. that, and thermals because you've got these people out who were literally starving to death, losing weight so quickly, and everything just chilled you to the bone. The water as well, they told us, was 12 degrees. And it, like, every... <laughs> Every challenge that they, when we were turning up and they told us it was an in the water challenge, I dreaded it because it was, it was so cold. Like I can't, it, and yes, the adrenaline pumps for a comp, uh, you know, for a challenge, but it was, it was like ice, like the wind chill factor. And, and I, I don't know how much you can say, but they often tried to make it look a lot warmer than what it was. Like, how about you don't wear the jacket and you're like, it's so cold. Um, and, like, if you look even in the day when the sun's shining, you're still in long pants and jumpers and it was just um, just unseasonally freezing cold. And I believe, too, you got hypothermia, was it, at one point throughout the, the shoot as well? We did. Uh, one of the last challenges that we did, we had to wade out to a floating pontoon and we all had to balance so we were wet from the from like half down, and it. <laughs> I again, I it's just one of those things where, as viewers, you would never really know. And like I said, it's it was actually a really hard thing to deal with, just just the extreme cold. So we went out, we stood on this um, our floating pontoon sort of thing, and we had to balance, and whoever could stay there for the longest. And I remember uh, at one stage a little bit of my vision started to go and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Anyway, and like I was getting really blurry eyed and and I was thinking, oh, it's just probably low blood sugar. I don't know. But I was so frozen. I, I think it was just part of the hypothermia um, setting in. Then Lincoln, I had to step off. Lincoln um, came and carried me. Everyone's like, oh, she can't even do that. I was, the idea of getting into that water was just 
unbearable. Anyway, so he came and carried me off. And um, the contestants that were, I think it was Katie and, oh, I don't Shona. even know who else. Shona. Shona. I was like, Shona. They um, got medics, um, you know, just had to um, get um, warm, um, you know, just with a bit of help from the doctors and um, the medical staff there. And, uh, yeah, so I think it was a little bit concerning actually. We're going to talk more about all the challenges. We, we know you you even won a, a challenge later on in the game, but I want to bring you back to day one. I know I only played two years ago, but the one thing I'll never forget is when that game very like starts at the very first second it starts where you walk in and, and you see the host for the first time in the game and you know the cameras are on record, they're rolling. For you on day one, it was you get out of that, that school bus, you get out and, and – you see the beautiful, the cliffs, the water in the background and Lincoln's standing there. That was, for you, that would have been 19 years ago. Do you mm. still remember that to this day? Like, can you still take yourself back to that day and just remember what it was feeling knowing that the cameras are now recording, you're with 15 other strangers, I mean, and you've got this host Lincoln standing in front of you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's sort of, I, I that's sort of like, because I loved the idea of challenges, despite the fact that I sat out probably half of them because of <laughs> just the way it was. Um, but yeah, it was still just that, uh, I don't know, just like a surreal feeling of um, like, I've, I've made it. It's like, this is it. Um, this is what I've seen on television. This is, this is a great, like, what an, what an experience. And um yeah, as it was, um, we all know how that challenge ended and um, <laughs> I, I think it worked in my favour. <laughs> did, did you have any little moments in the lead-up before you stepped off the bus, like a, a knowing nod from any of the other contestants? Were you sizing anyone up thinking, oh, I want to be with them, don't want to be with them? Um, I I think from the beginning I knew I'd get along with Sophie um, she was just someone I naturally gravitated towards. Um, she was like a big sister to me. Um, and she really, I don't know, we just had a, um, uh, just a nice friendship out there. Like genuinely, she was just a lovely person. And, um, even early on, uh, even though I know Rob probably looked at me as a very easy vote, um, he kind of did look after me. He would often tell me um, that he had he sort of looked at me as like a bit of a daughter. So I had like a sisterly sort of thing and I had a, a you know, a bit of a father figure out there. And he often spoke to me about that. He said, you know, I've, I've got you. And and like I said, he was a good game player because um, I, I I believed him and, um, and it was just that comfort side. So, the first part when we got on the bus, probably um, Sophie was the one that I just, I thought, you know, she'll be my go-to girl. It just shows you the brilliance of Rob Dixon because you just mentioned there that he said he thought of you as a daughter. And, of course, we know with Shona it was like the brother-sister. We, we hear about Shona and he says, oh, would you vote your brother out? Like, so yes. that, that's very stopped by Rob. He sort of, he, he let you know, like he, he, you feel like a family member. And obviously with you, it was a daughter. With Shona, it was her brother. It, it shows you the brilliance of Rob Dixon. Yeah, well, that's what I, I, I heard. I've heard um, you guys talking to like Craig and Naomi and, and um, he actually was a brilliant player and it's probably you know in my maturity and watching the shows and and um you know how the game's evolved and then now thinking back to his gameplay 
he actually was so deserving of the win and he played brilliantly. Like he befriended, he was um, he was the brawn, he was the all-rounder sort of guy, but he, he just he just did it so well. And I like I, um, I heard say before, he was probably one of the best players to still play and it is um, absolutely devastating that um, he's not here with us anymore. Well, one thing that we're definitely hoping to find out today, Jane, is a lot about your game plan, things that we didn't see. And one thing I don't think we ever really got a picture of is if you were aware of the alliance that was going on in Tapara. We obviously knew Lance and Joel were very naive to this, but I don't know if we ever really got an idea of how you found out about it or if you knew about it. Did, did you know this was a thing? Were you aware? And if so, was this something early on that you were picking up on that some of these people were working together early on on Tapara? Um, I always knew Rob and Shona were very close. Um, you know, I thought that they would be, um, together to the end. And as it turns out, they were, uh, and I think Katie was, you know, trying her best to be Rob's right hand man, um, you know, like wingman and, um, yeah, I, again, like thinking back, I can see the closeness between um, like Rob and Shona, yes, that they were um, in an alliance together. I know Rob, uh, sorry, um, Joel tried really hard to sort of get in that um, alliance as well with Katie and then um, Sophie as well. So uh, I don't know. I, if you're asking who who were the the tightest, I would have said Rob and Shona for sure. Like I knew that there was something more to those two together than the rest. (laughs) Did you have any conversations with anyone about forming an alliance or was there anyone in your mind that if that wasn't something you had that you kind of were hoping to work with or were sort of in sort of just working with them anyway despite the A word not being used? (laughs) Um, I, my, like I said, my two favorites were Rob and Sophie. And if I, um, again, it's like playing back then, I, like I said, I loved the game. I knew about it, but I I can't help but now want to play it in my mind as now, if you know what I mean? Like, oh, why didn't I do that? (laughs) How could I not see that? Or, um, so for me, I think it, for me, part of it was purely just surviving. Like it was so hard and being so hungry. My thoughts were just all over the place. Um, yeah, I don't know, like a lot, I actually do have a lot of regrets of how I played the game and would I, yeah, would I play it differently? Definitely. So like oh. I would have tried to make more of a thing with Katie and Rob um, and if, yeah, if I think about what I would do now, like how cool would that be if Shona thought that she was tight with Rob but then really Katie and um, Sophie and I and Rob had something together. Anyway, so if I could fantasise about what I would have done, then, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you think you gave yourself a genuine chance of actually winning the game? Because you, you were in a tribe that had very big personalities. We, we've heard about Shona. Like I I am one of Shona. Like I'm probably one of the biggest Shona fans in Australia. Like I think she she's such a great player. I think we've heard from other people. We've even heard from Lincoln say that she could be very intimidating. Um but you were up against some big characters. Here you are, 18, 
you, you should have mentioned, yes, you, you know, you were there for the adventure, but did you actually give yourself a genuine chance of winning or did, were you just sort of happy just to be a part of this great show? Uh, look, ultimately I was pumped to be part of the show, but I, to be honest, and I think everyone can agree, I never stood a chance at winning. Like if you think about me making it to the end and I was up against Rob, who do you think that they would pick? <laughs> I would have got no votes whatsoever. Um, I think that I think they respected the fact that I got on the show, but nobody gave me any chance from the moment I stood on. And I remember part of me thinking, um, like what what was going to be part of my strategy? And I even I remember thinking back then, going, I just won't tell them my age. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was pretty obvious that I was um, pretty, oh, you know, the youngest out there. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just think. Yeah, I, I would be kidding myself and particularly looking back now to think that I had any shots against that final five um, unless I won immunity challenges. And do you know what? I did win that reward challenge and I almost won another challenge and it was literally a guessing game of weights. Like how much does Joel yeah. weigh? We were yeah. losing Worst challenge in history, Jane. We've gone over this. Yeah, terrible, terrible <laughs> challenge. <laughs> know how much did you weigh beforehand I don't know anyway so I was way <laughs> off but I was so close to getting that one that would have been two challenges that I won so Jane yeah Ben Ben called it the worst challenge in history we had a big debate about this on our recap <laughs> of that episode Ben stands by he, he, he just hates it he reckons the show obviously ran out of budget by that stage. But what, you actually have one of the greatest little lines in that when jo, when when Joel asks, he says to you, "Oh, you might can I can I pick you up?" And you're just like, "No," because he, he wants to he wants to pick you up to see about. No, yeah. He try, he wants to pick you up to see you know to work out how much you weigh, and you're just like, "You no way, no, no happening." Oh, do you know what? I like that game because I almost won it. But, uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with that one, though, though, if had you won that, the game was completely different because Joel was going home that night. You win, Joel goes home. He's not going to be there then in a couple of episodes' time to basically go, oh, hi, I'm going to side with Rob and Shona now, and then you go home on the tie vote. Sorry, that was the next episode, not a couple of episodes' time. So had you won that, who knows how much further you could have gone. If only I knew my weight better. Yeah. Um, like. It's funny because I was pretty confident with the, it was like two litres. I was picturing carrying two litres of milk. Like I was literally doing that, like how much would that weigh and a metre long stick and, you know, I sort of felt like with the rest of them it was it was all right. But anyway, his, his weight got me in the end and um, I think I was way off. <laughs> the, the thing you mentioned before about not saying your age, so did you keep that secret when they asked? Did you say you were older than you were? Oh, look, I don't think there was any point in lying about it. <laughs> How old could have I said I was um, before they just assumed I was a liar? So I think I think they guessed it pretty well straight up. And it would have been hard. I mean, they would, they would have started, you know, over the campfire at night. They would have asked you what you've been doing in your life and you only left school six months ago. <laughs> you can't really keep up a lie. So it would have been hard. We have had an American contestant. It was um, He was 18. He said he was 20. And he actually went pretty far in the game. But uh, it, look, it, it is hard to, to lie about your, to your age when you're 18 because you, you're going to be found out pretty quick. Mm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, 
like I said, I don't think there was any hiding the fact that I was the youngest, at least in in our tribe. So, um, yeah, like I said, I I think there was a few things like they kept bringing up life experience, like oh she's got no life experience. I'm like, this is when they ask for those jobs for an apprentice with five years experience. I'm like, it, it's it, you know how how much can you honestly think I have at 18? And um, you know, I felt like sometimes um, you know like. Like, come on, I'm here. Let me have a go. Sometimes they would, uh, like, and and the other things I don't think people realised was how far we had to walk to get water and how far we had to go to the beach. And um, there was times when you were walking to get water and they're like, let me carry that for you. And I'm like, I'm fine. So I feel like they, they, they chose to baby me half the time and, um, yeah, so, but was I ever particularly lazy I don't think so like I went for every um trip to get water I kept up um I helped I you know I remember there was one time where we were trying to light the fire with glasses I think it was or something and now again with my uh what do you call it like confidence and everything I would ask for a go like they were just basically just pushing me to the side and anyway so uh, yeah, they. I just think from the moment they saw me, I just got no credit whatsoever. There's actually some good um, segments in the show and one was on day 30 when you decided that you were going to cook the rice and there's, of course, and then Shona has a great confessional where she's like, um, you then ask her, how do you boil rice? And um, you could clearly see on the show you, you did want to be involved, but I think it would be hard for someone like Shona who is 49 and has done so much stuff in her life and then and 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 then has to live with you know eighteen. You were eighteen. Um, Joel was twenty two. That that would have been hard because you are you're you've mentioned it. You you're wanting that experience of being you know out on a show where you're camping. You're getting to live this absolute adventure. But for Shona, she's already done a million adventures before. This is nothing for her. Yeah. So that would have been and it made for interesting TV. It really did. Oh, that's exactly that's 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 what they want. They they want the annoying eighteen-year-old to bother the almost fifty-year-old, and um, that they got it. And with Shona, she was she was I did not connect with her at all, like at all. Um, and it would have been you know probably personality, but just the age gap. I don't know. But even now, like I've got friends who are mature and so uh like I think back to my time on the show I was on there for 33 days and I have very few memories of Shona like <laughs> well, I was gonna uh, ask you about that I was gonna say is that something you felt from day one you just never had that intimate conversation with her about life never like and if we did I don't remember it like it wasn't <laughs> um yeah I don't know like I I like I uh, what he like, got no hard feelings and and it was just at the time how it was but uh she I just felt like she thought I was dumb like and I just you know in a way just didn't want to I just really didn't want to be super close to her at all and we like I said I I have very few memories um of 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 Shona like I, I don't remember any big conversations. Again, I don't know. Maybe they did happen, but <laughs> maybe I just wasn't listening. Um, 
So you play you played the game with her for thirty three days. Maybe you weren't listening. You never know. Uh, you, so you played the game. <laughs> We're with used her. to that. No one listens to this. It's all good. <laughs> so are you saying that in that thirty three days you never had one st- strategic talk with Shona about trying to get to the end? Oh, look, I don't know. She might say we she tried, and but I don't think so. No, she was she was not interested in me at all, and. Um, again, I'll, I'll be I'll be interested to hear about what she has to say about me when you interview her coming up. But um, we just did not connect on any level at all. You mentioned about the age gap. The interesting thing with Tapara, of course, Joel was twenty two, Katie twenty four. Then you've got Sophie thirty, and then kind of everybody's above thirty. Kadina was a lot more under the age of thirty. Five of them under the age of thirty. Do you feel as though? that would have changed things socially at least? I mean, not that you had a bad social game from some aspects. I mean, you're obviously your edit was very quiet and we'll talk more about that. But do you think that could have helped a little bit more being with people closer to your age in their 20s? Uh, maybe, yeah. I sort of, um, yeah, like potentially, like I really liked Naomi when I met, um, you know, met Naomi. And so you never know. Like it's just one of those what if um, type of scenarios and you know we were just dealt um uh, we were put on a tribe with with no opportunity to pick who we could go with and so I guess you just tried to had to try and make it work with who you ended up with but I don't know I I certainly think it might be more advantageous to have people of similar age as opposed to the older because really it does come down to personalities. What do you have in common? Like there's so many different parts that make up the the show, I guess you could say. I think it, one thing that's important to mention too is you did last 33 days. You came in sixth position. That's a pretty amazing feat. Like to, to last that long, I, I, I know Tapara basically dominated through the tribal stage and then when it got to merge and you became Aurora that you, you guys have picked off Kadena. But I think it is important to mention that, you know, as an 18-year-old, you you finished in sixth place, 33 days. That's a pretty good outcome. Do you know what? It was. Like, I'll, I'll say now um, that regardless of how I got to the final six, I got there yeah. and I beat you in yeah. the application. I beat Craig um, and yes was it by absolute pure luck and coincidence and all the rest yes um, but I, I I was stoked like I, I loved it and and again like I, I find myself now like it is what it is um, but yeah, but I, I find myself critiquing myself almost in a way because I'm like, why? You like, why couldn't you see this? And why didn't you play it like that? And and and, but I I feel like as the years have gone on and the game has gotten um, better and and like there's the hidden immunity idols. Like, gosh, I would have loved something to keep us interested around camp. Like we were so bored half the time um, because there is so much downtime. So little things like this, um, you know, making a good alliance like I feel that with 20 years almost experience that um I don't know like I don't regret playing as an 18 year old at all but again if if like I would play it so differently now well the one thing to point out too 
Finishing sixth, you actually, if you compare it to the US version, I can't speak for any other versions outside of America and Australia, you have finished higher than any of the 18-year-olds on the US version. Of the two 18-year-olds, the highest finish there was Will. He finished eighth on Millennials vs. Gen X, whereas you finished sixth. So you've finished higher than any 18-year-old American has ever finished on Survivor. So there's a record for you. Yeah, well, I'll take that as well. <laughs> Do you know what? This would be irritating Craig so much right now. <laughs> and, um, Craig, yeah, he's he thought I was a useless waste of space, and I probably was. So, um, you know, and the fact that I beat him and I'll take that title, and you know what? I'll take Queen as well. But um, it's just I actually find irritating Craig quite satisfying. <laughs> well, Craig's going to love this because as you probably heard in Craig's interview, he was a little bit pissed off that people like David and that weren't getting stuck into him a little bit more. So finally, here you go, Craig. The Queen is speaking right now. She's getting stuck into you. It's about time. I know. I know. Well, yeah, there you go, Craig. <laughs> yeah, wow. Jane, one thing we, we love talking about on this podcast, and it's something that we have to talk about because it's it's – such a big issue of your season was that very first challenge. You you did touch on it a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. You, of course, sat out of that first challenge because of man David Haas was sick. Yeah. That meant that meant the show said that the Tapara had to sit someone out. For me, I know in my season, the very first, very first challenge of the game, and I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but that we had 12 people in our in our tribe, at, but only nine people could be involved in that first that first challenge. And there was no way in hell I was sitting out there. I've been waiting for this for 20 years to play this game. And there's no way I was not going to be one of those nine that got to play. Of course, you get to the first reward, uh, the the immunity challenge. And all of a sudden you are told that someone has to sit out and it was you. How, I mean, we all know what happened in that challenge. It was end up was a disaster, probably ruined the actual season being that was the first episode, but you weren't involved in that first challenge. You were sitting back watching on. How did that all feel? Tell us a bit about that challenge. We, we have heard it, but I'd love to hear it from someone that was actually sitting out and watching on. Um, oh, I, 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 I can't remember how I was, I, I don't, I honestly can tell you, I can't remember if it was just a group decision to sit me out because I was the weakest link. Um, or I, I don't remember saying I'll sit out, but I, like I said, I, can't, I actually genuinely can't remember how it came to me being the one sitting out. But anyway, that's how it, it turned out. Um, it was actually a really, really tough challenge. It was exhausting. It looked um, it just looked really hard. And anyway, then we got to the end, obviously, where the fire part of it um, just fizzed and um, they had to call it. And I remember just, it was just, and I wasn't even wet. Like the, like it was just so blowing a gale. It was freezing cold and just the disappointment of <laughs> this failed challenge. And then the idea of going back the next day for a decider, I knew 1000% that if it was you pick someone from the other team and they pick someone, I knew I would be up. So when we had to listen to the story from Lincoln and then we tied and then they said, all right, choose choose someone from the opposite. I knew that they were going to pick me. So I just basically stood up and, um, but thank goodness <laughs> I got it right. <laughs> now on that, 
we have, uh, you know, trying to get to the bottom of a little rumour we've been told that there might have been a little code or a little system that you guys had come up with to give you some help on that answer, maybe some tapping or some something along the lines from this. Now, is this true? Can you give us any information if something happened in that challenge that helped you get that answer right? I can swear to you right now I have no no help whatsoever on that challenge. None. You can see it on my face. <laughs> when, okay, I'll, I'll tell you how I answered that question. Um, if you look at the, if you look at it, I was holding, which I still have the sign, but it's, it's in, in my survivor bag, which is up in an attic, which is a place I do not go. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I was holding it and the false was facing forward. And I thought instantly, I have a 50-50 chance of getting this right. I had no idea what the answer was. And I just went, like, I just held it straight up. I don't even know if I knew what side I was holding up. And then, because I couldn't see, um, um, uh, what was it? Had a, Lucinda, um, Lucinda pardon me, because um, I didn't know what Lucinda was holding up. Lincoln said, well, we're going to have a, like, basically one of you is going home, like one um, one of you is coming to tribal council because we picked a different one each. And I was like, oh, like I said, if you, you can see the agony on my face because I was just like, oh, my goodness, I'm probably wrong. But anyway, as luck would have it, it was the same side and, and we won on false. And you're quite lucky because the previous four questions the answers were all false. So you were going for five in a row of false. Like mm. what's the odds of that? We, we've actually touched on that before, that all the answers to all the questions were all false. Yeah, well, luckily it was false again <laughs> because that was the side I was holding up. There was no um, foot tapping or taps or grunts or anything at all. I, I, it's the first I've honestly heard of it. Ben doesn't look fully convinced. He's sitting there like, okay. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I, I, I just think it's, it's, I mean, you're the person who's going to tell us the, the answer for this one. I'm just, I'm intrigued how this rumour then starts on the other side on Baby Shit Yellow. Do you know, I've never heard this rumour and that's, I'm not even lying. I've not ever heard that rumour. Wow. Maybe it's going back to Craig. Maybe Craig's just trying to stir oh. shit with you, Queen Jack. <laughs> Maybe Craig's still to this day dirty that uh, that that they didn't win the first immunity challenge. We have heard that in the original immunity challenge, Kadena were actually in the lead. And then of course it, it fails. You That's get to totally why I was like this is this is um this is awesome. At least I get another shot at it. <laughs> because I, I knew if we were going if that fire challenge work, I'd be going the first to go home. So um thank goodness it failed and um I got a chance to answer false. And that's the beauty of Survivor. There is so much luck in this game. And anyone, any fan that says there's no luck in the game, I, I just I feel like wringing their neck because there's so there's so much luck in the game. You've gone from the first immunity challenge to sitting out, and if you lost, you've just you've just said you would have gone home. To then the next day getting a chance to totally redeem yourself, you go from zero to the hero. You're the one that wins them the immunity challenge and send Kadena to tribal council, which of course Lucinda ends up going home first because she was the one that was that was up against you, lost. She she's said that she felt then that it was on her that, that Kadena lost. She puts her hands up, go home. You last 33 days. 
I know. I know. Like it, it, it's funny how like like history can be changed in just a moment um on survivor and you look at you look at the like it's just some of the last seasons of the australian survivor when they go to um you know the drop the buffs and you randomly pick and there was a strong alliance of five and then they go to the minority like and then they're like it is a game half the half the time it is of just luck like it's just like they were just dealt a bad hand in that in just like Craig was um you know so yeah it's it's just a like it, it is it takes a bit of everything you've got to have strength you've got to have a social game um bit of luck on your side uh it's just yeah it's just a combination of things but for that day um luck was de- definitely on my side when Tapara eventually lost and Jeff, of course, goes home, I'll talk a little bit about that night in a second, but Jeff, snoring, tell us about it. Come on, how bad was it? Uh, we saw clearly it was a little bit bad, but how bad was it? Okay, so when you guys first told me that we were going to be doing this, I, I actually, after the show, had written notes so I was like, oh, just because it was such a big experience and I don't want to forget anything. And um, anyway, so just this last um, day or two, I just pulled, dusted off the old notes and had a look. And in capitals, I had written Jeff's snoring. (laughs) 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 I like, I think back now and he was just like a freight train and um, (laughs) It was, do you know what? I've got the gift of sleep. Like I can literally sleep anywhere, anytime. Um, And just generally speaking, noise doesn't bother me. Like I've slept through storms and earthquakes and, and I just, once I get to sleep, I'm a deep sleeper. So his snoring would bother me initially, but it wouldn't actually keep me up like through the night, which was good. But he was so loud. Like they were even joking that the, the tent would be like flapping and <laughs> but it was so loud. Yeah. That that vote when he goes home, I mean it was a very line ball situation there. Ultimately, you know, Rob's able to sway Joel. The vote goes the way of uh, of Jeff, he goes home. Were you worried that night? How how do you remember that kind of first vote thinking that you very much could be the first person voted out from your tribe? Um I I remember uh, Rob talking to me and I think he basically quietly reassured me and um, it was funny because Joel carried on about his integrity and oh like it, you know um, you know but I, and, and again looking back now I'm like that's all like part of the game <laughs> and but he was taking it so personally that his vote was persuaded and and all the rest so again um, Rob played a brilliant game like he, he he it was all a bit of a strategic move I'm guessing um from his part because he he ultimately sort of picked um who was going and um and yeah I just I actually genuinely felt quite safe that night just because of um conversations with Rob but and again that can be a dangerous thing as well because who do you believe but I I genuinely believed him so um yeah I to say I wasn't worried was um you know I was but um I guess I just hoped I could trust Rob 
And seeing three votes called against you is obviously not a good feeling. How, how were you kind of coming back to camp that night? Did you question anyone? Did you sort of ask the question, hey, why did you vote for me? Or did you just kind of let it go and move on? Uh, no, I think, I, you know, everyone, because you've got to live with these people very closely um, as soon as you get back. So I think that... Oh, Again, the memory fades quick, but I, I think it was more like, oh, you know, sorry about that and, um, you know. <laughs> uh, but, again, I just remember not being, you know, taking it too hard and just sort of then just went, carried on and, um, yeah, just sort of the next day is the next day. But, um, yeah, I don't know, just I know it was, it's never nice to get a vote against you because, again, ultimately those uh, those votes stack up and then if you get to a challenge where you've received the most amount of votes and that works against you and, and so on. So, you know, of course I didn't want any, but that's just um, how it was. Ultimately that would come back into play, which we'll get to. But, I mean, you mentioned your relationship with Shona, not really having any relationship with her. Jeff voted for you, but the other person that voted for you was Katie. You kind of touched on Katie before, but what was your kind of relationship or your interactions like with Katie in the game? Katie was pleasant, but she tolerated me. So, um, you know, she was more like I could have more conversations with Katie, but there was never really any real friendship there or anything. And like I said, probably tolerate is the appropriate word. Um, there were again, wasn't very much respect there. Um, you know, I think, like I said, people were like, you know, well done, you're on the show, but we don't really care. <laughs> Like you, you don't really have any worth in this tribe, so we'll just drag you along until we, um, till we need you. Um, and so we, Katie, I sort of felt like she was the athlete and I was the weakling. And um, you know, I know that irritated her more than anything was just the fact that I couldn't keep up with her. Uh, and yeah, it's just um, she was lovely. Like, and then behind my back, she. <laughs> <laughs> she, you know, she let loose. But as far as being at camp, she was she was pleasant enough. Obviously, Katie, she, she, for a twenty four year old, the way she played that game is was unbelievable. And although you didn't quite quite connect with her, I think uh, once you sat back and watched the show, was there was there a level of respect? The fact that she's twenty four and, and she was leading from the front. She had this whole plan set out. That, that's a lot for a 24-year-old to do. Oh, yeah. Like like I said, it's one thing to be out there and then another thing to watch it. So as far as her gameplay went, she actually played a really good game as well. Like she um, she was strong. She was um, motivated. She um, was, was really playing the game. And so I respect that. Um, and y- you could see her trying to fight to the end to try and get in with Rob and Shona and, and, and that. And then, you know, obviously there were times where she was really upset with Rob. Um, and yeah, so as far as her, as a game, like as a survivor, she actually did a really, really good job. The thing that I think a lot of people want to know in this interview is is what else was happening or I guess your your thoughts on everything that was happening with the edit that you got because all jokes aside, I mean, your, your edit literally consisted of 
people talking shit on you. That's essentially what it was. And, I mean, you're sort of telling us about how these people are really not even giving you a chance from day one. They automatically judge you for your age and think, well, you know, what's the point of this? Let's kind of do this. So were you aware that people were as frustrated with you as the edit ultimately showed? I mean, you got called things like useless. You're not very useful. I mean, Katie said at one point that you just sit there looking pretty. You you couldn't do something because your sternum was sore. If your leg, I mean, not very nice things were said against you, Jane. Was this a complete surprise when you're watching it? Do you know what? I Again, I in my mind I had how I had played it, how I had seen it. And then I'm like, come on, family, let's all get around the TV and watch my show. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my goodness. But do you know, I, I, I must admit, I was, um, I was, I was actually pretty upset with some of it. And do you know what? You have to be thick-skinned because when, um, uh, again, going back all this time ago, I remember reading a forum and I don't, I just don't use computers anyway. So I thought I'd just jump on and the amount of hate on there, I was like, oh, I was actually mortified. And, the, and I knew that the show would be edited, but I was made to look completely hopeless. Like I couldn't do anything. And one, I think they were saying, like, because the cameras roll 24-7, you know this um, from the show, there is so much time in a day that passes and 1% roughly of the footage that is filmed is shown. So they've got to make the stories. They've got to make things interesting. And I remember... Um, I remember like flashbacking to when Shona said it drove her nuts about me sleeping like all day almost. And I'm like, I never, like there were times when we would be like later to get up. I never slept the day away. Like I don't know who they were looking at. And again, they'll probably say something differently, but from my point of view, I like if you're an early riser, anyone that sleeps in after that is probably, you know, sleeps in. Um, but I, I, they, I know they just made me all like, then the camera would pan to me like, oh, you know, getting out of bed. Like the last part. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> that part frustrated me because it made it look like all I did was sleep. And the problem is with the game, you feel like you cannot say anything, right, because then you don't want to be a risk of getting voted out. And I remember having this absolutely shocking day where I actually got something in my eye and then because I got it in my eye, I jumped off this little cliff, which ended up being a lot bigger than what it was. Anyway, I couldn't. And then I hurt my ankle. And I just remember sobbing. Like I was like all alone and injured. I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone. And you don't want to be the winger. So the fact that one day I might have had a sore sternum because we'd been lying on the ground for five weeks, like maybe. Um, but I I actually, I think I did an all right job. Like, yes, I wasn't a challenge beast. I went on every walk to the well. I went on every trip to the beach. Um, a little fun fact, uh, for us, we were, we had the camp closest to the beach and um, Kadena had the camp closest to the well. At the time, I believe they told us, it was a roughly five to six kilometre round trip to the well 
and a four-kilometre trip, round trip to the beach, and you could do them on only alternate days. So you literally wake up starving to death, then you've got to walk to a well to carry water another two, three kilometres back, and then, you know, and I did it every time. Like I wasn't like you, and again, if they say differently, they're lying, Um, and, you know, going to the beach, um, they never let me do anything. And again, I didn't have the confidence to speak up and ask. Like I remember desperately wanting to fish. I love fishing. No, I don't like gutting fish, but I grew up fishing. We're fishing, well, not fishermen, but you know, we've got boats and and we go out for fun. And I just remember feeling ripped off with things like that, not really given the chance, but again having the confidence. Now I'd just ask them for a turn. Give me a go. <laughs> um but yeah, I know. Just I, I, they definitely portrayed me as someone who kept sleeping in, someone who was completely useless and lazy, someone who whinged. And I reckon, um, and I would hope that they would agree that that was not always the case. <laughs> Which I mean, this is a thing though with any Survivor season. You're always having players that are edited a certain way because, as you said, there's so much footage. They have a story about you that they want to show. This was sadly your edit, and, and even when across to Kadena. Karen seemed to absolutely hate you every five seconds. Oh, we all hate Jane. She's getting carried along. Like even that must surprise you that a tribe that doesn't know you is hating on you. Oh, you know, I don't know. I actually don't know. I just, you know, I had a gift out there. I irritated people. So, <laughs> but you had a you had a great confessional though, and we we really talked this up. This is when we were talking about that roller coaster ride before. But there was there was one. It was in episode eight. And you basically said that you were sitting back, observing, playing under the radar, and that that's what was your strategy. And and we really talked that up because that was something that I think was very vital in early Survivor when it was so much more on the social side of things. It wasn't necessarily about, you know, blind sides or you couldn't have hidden idols, things like that. That was so important in that game. So there were little moments that they clearly did show. And, and all jokes of Craig's side, that confessional where he's there saying you're useless he does actually back that up by saying well I don't know maybe that's her game maybe that's very clever so it's kind of interesting that the two glimmers that were shown you know now we can look back and go cool that's easy but as you said the majority of everything is Jane sucks she's shit she doesn't want to gut fish blah 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 so it was there we just needed to see it more yeah I like I said I I I just think I lacked the confidence and, um, you know, again, just, I know, 18-year-old, fresh out of school, um, but that's not my excuse, but I'm just saying that that is, I don't know, I, I, I just I just think it was, I knew how the game was playing, I knew the outwit, outplay, outlast, but I think what frustrated people about our show was that it seemed a little bit too mateship you know there was a little bit too much like friendliness and like you know let's just you just can't we be friends you know sort of and 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 but now I like I I understand more the aggressive gameplay like the and I too and again why is a social game player so frowned upon exactly 100% what? agree. 
Hundred percent agree, and it's and yeah. this is the thing. You look at any any US season with certain winners. There's been different archetypes, and you you know you look at Jenna Maraska a couple of years after your season in the US. You, you know she was kind of looked down on because of her age and everything along those lines. But a large portion of her game was that social aspect of it. And to me, she's one of the most overlooked winners in US Survivor history. So I I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Like look at Pia. She yeah. you know she was actually still very strong, but. She played a brilliant game and ultimately she won. But she was a very good social. Christy as well. Um, yeah. But you you look at some, um, I, I, but I just feel like there's so much hate that comes from a social gameplay. And uh, I, I respect that it takes all types, you know, um, the like the physical side, you know, but not everyone can can be like that. Um, like I, again, if I were to ever play again, I would not be a challenge beast. I love puzzles, so I reckon that maybe that could be my strength in in something like that. But I would still play a more social game than the than the other, and I I still to this day don't understand why they get so much hate from a social game. I think it's because as a Tested the best way to play the game to give yourself the best odds of winning is the social game. But for a viewer, for fans, they want to see the flashy, the big moves, you know, the dominating and challenge because it makes for better TV. But as a contestant, if you want to give yourself the best odds to go as far as you can and get to that final two or three, it's the social game because you're more likely to not piss people off and get to the end. But the viewers, a lot of the viewers don't. That, you know, they're sitting down. If they're going to give, you know, give up 60 minutes, 90 minutes of their, their day to watch a show, they want to see the big moves because that's what entertains them. And you know what? I loved watching that. David, Luke, you know, all those sort of, um, you know, the recent ones. Amazing. I love it. Um, but then I also think, um, you know, and, and when you're out there, you sort of got to think, you know, the people that you're going to annoy are going to be the people that ultimately vote a winner. So you've got to have a, a good balance of, um, you know, the the big moves and the social play. Um, and, and, and another thing that I really, really like about how the game has progressed and evolved is that everyone was so emotional back in the first couple of seasons about like they used to take it so personally, Um, but now you're praised for these big moves and, um, you know, like, uh, you know, blindsides and making, you know, doing this and that and and whatever. So I I like that it's a lot less personal and it's more game. Um, And, again, I can see that now, like the older I've gotten and, um, um, you know, just and I can appreciate that. Well, you said that in the reunion when Eddie Maguire questioned you a little bit about it. You said kind of, you know, it's a game. At the end of the day, it's a game. So to me, you know, you, you clearly at that point at least looked like you were handling it well. But when you said watching it with your family, like, hey, let's get around the TV and watch me, I'm on Survivor, what what was their reaction? I mean, I can't imagine your parents and your friends are going like, well, screw Katie, screw Craig, screw Shona, like this is our girl. They're being a horrible person about her. Boo them. Well, you know, I came back saying like, wow, I made it, you know, I at the time we weren't allowed to say anything, but they could tell because I came off literally skin and bones that I'd made it sort of to to the end. Um, but, oh, you know what, my, 
uh, and again, like my mum being more the emotive one and even my dad, I think they were just genuinely worried about the type of reactions um, that people had um, and comments and everything. And to be honest, I just stopped watching and reading everything because if you were a little bit emotionally fragile, stuff like that can actually really hurt because it seems very personal. And um, so I just, I put that aside and I have this wonderful memory and a great experience and I just tried not to <laughs> to listen to it or watch it or read it very much. But, um, you know, there was, a, and there was, there was actually a lot of really awful things being said about me and and I think that was probably the hardest part to deal with. The show itself was easy. It was the aftermath of like everyone hates Jane <laughs> was actually pretty hard to, to deal with. But anyway, um, yeah. So yeah, we actually, uh, we, we, we called an episode Queen Jane, but we will be completely honest and tell you, we really nearly did call an episode Jane sucks just purely on the comedic basis <laughs> that the whole episode was about how much, I mean, we put a little clip together where it was basically everyone bagging you out, you saying, Oh, I think they all respect me and kind of, you know, I had a bit Yes. I, I, I saw that clip and um yeah and I'm like you know what I think they really respect me and they're like Jane <laughs> terrible Jane sucks and everything but really I'm like oh you know this is great you know wonderful experience and meanwhile they're all like daggers in my back so um no hard feelings at all and like I said it, it was just it 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 is what it is, and um, yeah. <laughs> if they thought you were so expendable, I'm surprised they didn't send you to go. You remember the beehive where they had to go knock the bees down yeah. and get off? I'm surprised they didn't send you there and think, oh, well, if Jane gets bitten and has to go out of the game, it doesn't <laughs> get stung, it doesn't matter. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, look, I'm sure they probably spoke about it. You know, we'll send her as the sacrifice because we don't care about Jane. But, um, yeah, no, they, they did it themselves, which was which was good. You're talking about how hard it was dealing with all that backlash of, you know, your game and them portraying you as sucking and all that. But that's what was so important to have you on the show today because you are the only 18-year-old in Australia to ever play this game. We know now social media is huge. Jane, when, when we were 18, social media wasn't around, you know, so you just had the papers, the the, the, the magazines, and that was it. Now it's so easy for anyone around the world to get on, leave comments about, you know, your game. I copped it when I played, you know. Um, so it's a totally different game now. But how, how was it for an 18-year-old, you know, from when you play? But picture yourself now playing the game as an 18-year-old now in the way social media is now. And How hard would it be for an 18-year-old that hasn't got much life, life experience all of a sudden getting, getting all this negative feedback and comments? Oh, look, I'm actually grateful there was only like a few forums and and stuff at the time because, you know, I, you know you're a, an impressionable young girl like and you're getting so much hate and, and I, I actually can't imagine it being like now, like with the amount of things like Instagram and Facebook and, and all the rest, you know, the, the hate groups that can be created and the I hate Jane, you know, that you can start stuff up like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I Like I said, my advice to anyone who wants to go on the show and well, for anyone, like 
just try not to 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 worry about that. Play your best game. Be confident in your game, um, and just maybe steer steer away from it if you're sort of worried. But um, yeah, I'm actually to be honest, I'm actually glad that back then there was limited sort of um, means to um, online troll. <laughs> Yeah, another thing too, which would be interesting to get your viewpoint on, you're talking about, you know, sort of going into this, you're an, you're an impressionable young female. And you also mentioned before about there were moments where they might have sort of said to you like, hey, can you take off your jacket, you know, and maybe just show a bit more skin. We noticed on a couple of the episodes when you're at the beach, when you are out there in your bikini, the camera seemed to have a lot of fun just zooming up, you know, seductively <laughs> on your your body and kind of just going a little bit too much for the, the perv there. I, I mean, is that something that... A, you were worried going in that I'm this 18-year-old female, they might betray me in that aspect, and B, when you saw the edit, were you kind of a bit, hey, guys, face is up here. You don't need to zoom in on that part of me on a hot day. Um, well, to be honest, there were very few swimmer days. Um, so they were probably like, quick, 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 let's, um, you know, get enough footage to – to, to make up for the last couple of weeks without anything. So, um, oh, you know, I wouldn't say my swimmers were particularly revealing or skimpy. They were just standard bikinis. Um, no, I, like, it didn't, you know, didn't bother me. Um, yeah, no, that, that was fine. It was just more, um, yeah, no, the, that side of it was, was okay. Like, and it wasn't that often either. I mean, it's an interesting, yeah, you're right, like it wasn't that often and and we know in sort of talking to a bunch of the other people that clearly there weren't those days and the producers were a little bit sad because, again, Survivor at that point still was a bit like, hey, let's show off the bods and it wasn't just you. I mean, Craig obviously was, you know, sitting in a tree with his shirt off. We had Lance in his Speedos, Dick Togs all the time, you know, showing off the rig. Joel, when he won immunity, was sitting there. So clearly it was, you know, equal opportunity perving on both aspects. But it was interesting, I think, on the few occasions where you were at the beach, the cameras seemed to really focus a lot on on yourself. So I didn't know if you had a viewpoint on that. That's why I asked the question. Uh, oh, no. Look, to be honest, if that was me now, I'd be flattered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I've had a couple of kids now and uh, the old bod probably looks a bit different. But um, back then it was, uh, yeah, I didn't think it was distasteful. Like it was... Um, um, you know, it was just, I think, honestly, it was, it wouldn't have been such a feature perhaps if it had been hot all the time. Like we were just rugged up and even maybe those days they were like, come on, you know, how about we like, go for a swim? Because it was just, like I said before, it was freezing. Like even when the sun was out, the water was still freezing cold and um, the wind was cool and it was really hard to try and, um yeah enjoy the swimmer you know to be at the beach but uh yeah and we just want to make it clear we're not we're certainly not complaining that the, the odd occasion we did get to not at all <laughs> we're, we're not complaining but one thing we did notice it, you, when you would have those beach days it would be yourself sophie um often katie would be there but shona would never be there she would be off somewhere else by herself like and she admits it in one of her confessionals that you know when you girls were, were having those days down at the beach that she couldn't really connect like you girls would be talking about you know what the latest dress you're going to buy and just 
girly stuff, you know, where she wasn't like that. And they would always show her she'd be off in a pond somewhere else, um, you know, having a bit of a swim herself. Was that that would have been hard too? Because even on those days, you couldn't quite connect with Shona. You've already said that you never really did connect with Shona, but even on those days when you're having those talks with, you know, just just general life talks with with Sophie and Katie, you couldn't do that with Shona because she wasn't with you. No, we just never connected. Um... I don't even know. I can't even make it sound better. Um, <laughs> we just we just literally had nothing in common. But like I said, I, I I've I've got friends who are fifty, you know, now like they're with the same sort of age gap, and I know no like difference if you know what I mean. Um, but it was just. A, a, a friendship that was never going to form. And if it was, it would have been so forced. Um, we just, I, the only thing I remember about Shona was her talking about a vichyssoise soup. Now you can ask her what that is. Cause I, I heard it. Why would I remember that now? I still remember <laughs> talking about this soup anyway, but that is one of my only memories of Shona. I'm glad you actually said that because I think in that episode where she's on the phone to her mum when you had that reward, she's going through this massive list of things she wants brought to her at the airport and <laughs> she said that. And I'm thinking Matt and I are going, what's a vichy schwa? Like we didn't know what it was. So I'm glad you've clarified that. Yeah, I. when you speak to her, just ask. I'm sure I could Google it now, but um, Again, if I'm I'm thinking Shona, that's the only thing I can really think of. So, um, I and again, yeah, it was it was just the way it was. You you were never going to get along with everyone. Joel irritated me, and I irritated Joel. Like he was so eccentric in his behaviour, he was hard to get along with. Um, and when when you add the starvation and all the other elements in it, and exhaustion, everything that annoyed someone about yourself or vice versa it was so heightened like you know I remember there was one stage where Joel no Sophie accidentally when she was putting the whelks into the into the fry pan one of them fell out into the into the ash like into the thing and she got the knife and scooped it up and he's like well done so well done that's amazing yes this is great and I just we're all like oh like stop it Great you know, Joel impersonation. Was- <laughs> I felt like he was on the line there. That was great. <laughs> oh, that's cool. um, but he, like his his behaviour, like like I said, it, it takes all types, and and they uh, you, you they base it on com- um, personality conflicts. So of course, like I said, the me versus Katie is frustrating. The Joel versus me is annoying um you know and he wanted me out from day one and because I couldn't stand him I wanted him out as well and uh it was just uh there was just so many little things and and then Shona we connected not at all so I felt nothing towards her whatsoever um yeah (laughs) I I love hearing all this because we've heard all about the relationship between Craig and I'm going to mention his name David Haas in the Katina tribe, they didn't gel at all, and they and Craig's mentioned he he they did not gel at all. So it's 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 great hearing from the what's going on in Tapara because we've covered so much of Katina, but to hear to find out like what actually was going on in the, in the Tapara camp. So so it would have been hard because you you mentioned Shona, you mentioned Joel, 
Now, Jeff, obviously, he didn't make merge, but I can't imagine, yeah, you would have had a lot in common with a 52-year-old police officer. So you can touch on that again, but that, that's already three people right now that you just had nothing in common. Katie, of course, that's four people. Yeah. Yeah, I probably had I had probably more people that I just had nothing in common with than, and then with. Um yeah, like Jeff was actually he he was sort of only with us for for that short period of time and um but I actually remember like liking Jeff. Um like he was actually a really likable guy and Lance really really likable person. Um I'm pretty sure Jeff left us his roll of toilet paper which was his luxury item. Um we didn't need it that often so <laughs> <laughs> It was still pretty good, but um, yeah, he, he was he was a really nice guy. So probably if, if I had to pick my favourites, it would have been Rob, Sophie, Lance, and even Jeff. Like I said, he was, um, you know, he was like yeah, he was a, he was a nice guy. When the merge came, you get Naomi, you get Karen, you get your best friend Craig. Now. We've obviously <laughs> talked a little bit about not seeing a lot of the relationship and knowing about the alliances on Tapara. We never really saw anything from these three Kadena members talking to you about the game. We talked a little bit to Craig about this, a little bit to Naomi about this, but do you recall having interactions with them when they first got there, what your thought process were on the three of them, and was there any thought by you that you might work with them at some point? Uh, I, at the time, I think it was... Um, Number one, it was just such an easy vote to get me that further ahead. So it was it just seems like a no-brainer. And again, does that make for boring TV for everyone else? Probably because it's predictable. But um if that can guarantee you as a contestant that amount further, then it is very appealing. I don't uh, I can't remember if Craig said he did. Uh I don't really remember him um talking to me about um, you know, jumping ship and whatnot. Um, but I don't think I could have been persuaded in just that it and again, I would have stood no chance against Craig. So I'd rather the majority on my side than to go over and have three on theirs. I'd be picked off straight away. So um yeah, it, it was a bit of a an easy decision for me to not vote with them. Would Sophie talk to you about strategy? I know you two were very close on the show. Would she talk to you about strategy and say, hey, we, we could possibly do this or if we, you know, we could possibly go over with them or if we, you know, was there any discussions with Sophie about that sort of stuff? Uh, not about doing anything with Kadena. Um, there were times, and again, whether or not they were just entertaining me, um, you know, there were times when we were talking about, um, you know, alliances, but I feel like, it was only ever very briefly touched on. And, again, that frustrates me because now if I were to ever play it again, it would be – I would, like, the the more, like, the, the strategy side of it, I feel, yeah, I feel like that's what I said. It feels like a, a disappointment to me that I wasn't um, seeing what I can see now. Just on Craig – any other little uh, things you want to bring up right now about uh, Mr. Abbott? Also, based on the fact that you heard his interview a couple of weeks ago, maybe that uh, you've been dying to get out right now on this show. Oh, hi, Craig. Um, <laughs> you know what? He, he did. He did say basically that I was useless, and um, 
and I offered nothing at all, which, you know, is fine. Um, but then he did back it up and say, well, at the end of the day, I did beat him, which I did. And, again, even if that's based on pure luck, I still beat him. And, um, yeah, I don't know, to be perfectly honest, I find, I, like I said, I find that actually quite satisfying because he <laughs> he just couldn't stand me. So I'm like, <laughs> and, and, and you, you get the laugh last, Jane, uh, because I think he's had a few sleepless nights thinking that, uh, knowing that you beat him too. But it, it, he was a he was a big competitor on the show, and I think that sort of says a lot for Craig. Talking about Craig, this is a question I like to ask all the members that that made merge. Um, Naomi wins an immunity challenge where she gets to pick a player to go to Micara Station for an overnight stay. She she ultimately takes Craig. I, would, yeah. I think I already know what the answer is going to be, but if you would have won that challenge, who would have you have taken for the overnight stay? Oh, good question. Um, well, I wouldn't have taken any from the other team because I just wasn't interested, uh, but it would have been Rob or Sophie. There you go. So I, I thought you were going to give a firm Sophie there, so that um, – that does surprise me that you were, so obviously you and Rob were, although maybe you can look back now and see that Rob was kind of just playing the game and knew that you probably weren't, but you obviously yeah. had a good relationship with him. Yeah. Like, like I said, um, he, he would often talk about like a father daughter relationship and yes, strategically for him, that was wonderful because, um, that is, uh, that is what I um, felt. And it was actually really nice. Like I said, it a lot of isolation out there, a lot of um, alone time. And just to, it was actually quite comforting um, just to know that someone had your back. Um, it was lovely. But equally, Sophie, like I said, they were they were great. So um, Sophie, I was probably like connected to more just because we were two girls. Um, and, um, but Rob was that real sort of, father figure I guess you could say he was he was lovely out there but yeah probably again I can't really think exactly who I would have picked in the moment but probably Rob or Sophie you got a got to be involved within a few rewards both in the tribal aspect then of course you won uh, a reward in the individual aspect one of the complaints people kept saying about you is that you talked about food all the time so you still got to experience <laughs> some food what was was the scones one your favorite reward that you got to have do you know what I resented the fact that I felt like I had to give away that scone. <laughs> <laughs> I was so hungry and we got one cup of hot chocolate and I think two scones and I was like, hey, you know, like let's share it. <laughs> um, you know, so everyone went around and had, you know, because you, they made you have your award in front of everyone and it's like then you've got all these people like seagulls looking at you and you're like, well, how, like this is awful. Like, I can't just eat this on my own and, you know, and then you're also worried like is this going to go against me? She didn't share it. And anyway, so I remembered they said you have one scone and we'll share the rest. And then I was like, well, let's all have some hot chocolate as well. So we passed it all around. But do you know what? I um, – that was that was a good game. I won that fair and square. Um, but uh, I, I that's the other thing is I just don't even think really people understand how hungry we went. Like compared to the shows on now, 
I believe that they based our rice rations off the prisoner of war rations. Like we got one tiny sort of scoop of rice um, per day was the ration. And I see things now, they get rice and beans. They're on coconut lines, beaches. They've got coconuts and and some fruits, like like native pawpaw. fruits and that pawpaw. We, like I said, we were starved. And I heard Naomi say the same thing as well. She genuinely believes that we still were the worst um, fed survivors. And we had... Um, like, like I said, alternate days where you could get to the beach to fish and then the next day was for water. So it was only every second day that you could have fish and because we were in like a national park, you couldn't kill anything. Um, and I remember seeing Rob run off one day like as a joke, but he was like kangaroo or emu and we're like, oh, gosh, what? Are we, you know, how good would that be? Um, and I think they said the only thing we could eat were rabbits and we never saw one. So we would scavenge um, for these um, pig face, which are those um, viney, shrubs that grow in the sand and you can eat part of the pink flower like the inner bit and um it was like eating a sort of a really mushy grape kind it was a little hint of sweetness and uh so we literally woke up starving had a tiny bit of rice and we would coast to the end of the day on fumes plus all the walking in between the challenges um and we like I lost I lost probably I think it was close to ten kilos in wow. um, in four weeks and five days whatever it was we were losing it so quickly and and then you combine the colds with it um, it was actually really 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 hard like um, yeah like still the hardest I think out of any when we merged we got one. 50 gram packet chips each. So we're talking the little packets. And I made that packet last about 10 days. I'm not even joking. I had a chip a day. And um, I was just craving taste. When we merged, we got, sorry, yeah, the chips. And I think they gave us a container of flour, which might have been like just your standard little flour and a little bunch of nuts and um, um, sultanas, like dried fruit and nuts, and it was enough to make a damper and you got a small wedge each, which, which would have been like a small piece of birthday cake sort of um, size. So you look at the, the the series that are on and the seasons that are past now of Australian Survivor, they have banquets of food. They have reward challenges um, with, you know, palmy challenges, you know, food auctions and all the rest. We were literally bidding for a scone or we merged <laughs> and we had a tiny piece of damper and a packet of chips. It was just, um, it was it was actually really hard. Like I, that was probably the thing I struggled with the most was the level of starvation. Like we were so hungry. And, of course, those packets of chips were made by our good friends at Lay's. We'll just quickly uh, drop Thank that right now. Just very good friends at Lay's. 
Yes. But it's it's interesting you say, like, even with the scone challenge that we're kind of discovering, it's it wasn't shown in that episode. We talked about it in that episode, like, oh, I wonder if Jane shared it or not. And then we've discovered, I think Lance told us that the other week, and it's even that falls into your edit. That like they didn't even show you. They they they're so set on showing Jane sucks, she doesn't want to share this. Here she is. So let's let, let's name a whale after her instead. That's something you nice. Know what? Now that you say that, I remembered watching again with the family, and you know, as each episode aired, I was like more and more under a pillow. Um, you know with what am I about to see and I remember watching that and they edited it to look like I ate it the entire thing on my own and I think they even put in words like no 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 you have it you have it Jane you have it and I was like I shared the entire reward that was really frustrating because again if anything that proves um you know there was a certain image that they were trying to create with me and I don't resent it at all but I'm like well, that, <laughs> there you go. That reward challenge that you won, Ben and I have spoken about it. It's it's one of the, the best rewards challenges that they actually set up. It looked fantastic. You know, you're up on the top of the cliffs. You, you've you got the, the uh, the what are you, sort of slingshot out oh. onto the water. Of course, the whale ends up coming uh, over at the end. You each got three shots. You were the only one that got it in. Now, can you tell us, we want to confirm, we've debated this, did you end up having more than three shots and no one could get it in and then finally you got it in? Or did you get it in early and that's no one else got it and that's all you had? No, I got it fair and square. And I remember because uh, <laughs> if you look at all my shots, they were almost all yeah. in. And I literally, because like I said, I was so weak from starvation. I li- literally, it was as hard and as far back as I could pull. Like I was trying with all my might. And I remember just that it was just the perfect, perfect shot. Like I couldn't have tried any harder. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, that that's um, one to me. <laughs> we, we mentioned... The, the challenge that you did nearly win immunity on the shittest challenge in the history of Survivor. And it is kind of that what-if scenario that if you do win that, Joel no doubt goes home that night. Lance ultimately went home that night. But it's interesting to think, had you won, Joel goes home. In all seriousness, how do you think that would have played out? Joel goes, Lance is still in the game at final six. Do you think Lance then goes where you go and then you're in the final five? And then if you are in the final five... How does that play out to you? Do you and Sophie somehow get Katie on board to take out Robin Shona? I mean, do you think that Katie was still so tight with Robin Shona that that was going to still play out that way? I mean, how would you think that would have played out? I, if, if I'm thinking about I, I knew that Shona and Rob were rock solid. Like I, they just seemed to be from day one the pair. Like they... Um, and, and I think that frustrated Katie because she wanted to be with Rob and, and um, you know, to to be the, like, in that, like, core alliance, as you could say. So there would have been the Rob and Shona and then there was the Rob, Shona, Katie, Joel and then Sophie. Um, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I still probably think um, I would have been, picked out first perhaps I I don't I'm really not 100% sure but um I I 
you know, they used me to where they wanted me to get to and then it was my time to go home. Actually, an interesting fact here, I've got bragging rights as the first food thief on Australian Survivor. Oh, well, this sounds like a story we need to know, Jane. Do tell. (laughs) Well, I knew I was going to get voted out that night. Like, I was pretty sure. So I went to the rice bag and I stole handfuls of rice. And I put them in my pockets and I... Like I, I must have, you know, like I did it in a way because no one questioned me, not even the producers, not camera people. I don't know how I managed to do it, but I still remember because, oh, I, again, I keep talking about the hunger and, yes, obviously it was a big deal for me because I, was, I, I literally felt like I was starving to death. Like that is, that is how bad, like, it affected me. And um, Anyway, so I had this opportunity where I saw the rice bag and I was like, I'm just going to take some. Anyway, so I went (laughs) over and I took handle, I put it in my pocket and then I sat down on the timber logs by the fire before we were about to go to tribal council and I could see it spilling out of my pocket onto the timber thing and... (laughs) Oh, no. If it was any other scenario, I would have just eat like we ate everything out of the dirt. Like we, you know, if you dropped a grain, like you'd eat it. Like it wouldn't matter. And um, and I just remember being disappointed that I had to sort of get rid of this and and I would just sneak off and take little little mouthfuls of uncooked rice and then got voted out and they had less rice. And look, this just backs up my claim that you are Queen Jane because think about who the queen of US Survivor is, Sandra. What was one of the first things she ever did in Pearl Island? She hid the fish so that she could have that to herself later on. So there you go. Look at this, backing it up. Good job, Jane. I'm glad you're telling us this story. I was going to say, they probably think I'm making it up. I can tell you 100% I am not lying. I literally stole rice, put it in my pocket, and it was literally – making me feel like Hansel and Gretel because it was just <laughs> filling me out. And I'm like, oh, and anyway, so I don't even think I've confessed that to anyone before now, but maybe wow. they should have got camera because I was like, I'm hungry, I'm eating it, I'm getting voted out. I can get out loud too. There you go. Look at that. Did, did this happen the night you got voted out? Uh, yes, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. They, wow. <laughs> They would have got back to camp and thought, where's where's the rice? Well, there was still probably, you know, the bits that you take in a whole, you know, in a bag of rice, it probably is, um, you know, you wouldn't know it was missing. But it was just the fact that I tried to keep this thing a secret and it was literally falling out of my pocket. So I was like, oh, and, and, you know, like having to sit like this to try and cover the grains of rice on the thing. And then I'm like, oh, if I put it, if I sweep it off, they're still going to see it. So kick it over, you know, kick the dirt over it. And anyway, um, yeah, it was great. It was my sneaky moment. No one even knew about it. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad we found out that you're an, you're a rice rice thief. But one thing I hope that has changed. I hope you're a better negotiator because when you're up in the pontoon challenge and uh. you've got Link in there and he's offering. Certain things to get people off, and one of them's chocolate. He's got chips there. You tried to negotiate, and of course, Lincoln just shut you down. At one stage, you're like, you wanted every bit of chocolate that was in his pockets, in his hand, and a packet of Lay's chips. Then he said, No, you're not getting that. So then you quickly then straight back and said, Oh, well, I'll just get all the chocolate. 
And then he's like, no, no, the cherry ripes are, are, are for Shona. And you're like, all right, well, I'll just have those chocolates. <laughs> you, you, you tried to negotiate, but it didn't quite work out. Have you got better at negotiating? Well, I hope so. Um, I negotiate with five-year-olds every day. So that's uh, um, Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. To be perfectly honest, I was just like, he could have just said it was, I don't know, I don't know, one piece of chocolate and I felt like I would have jumped for it. The We would have, it was because we just literally were denied food virtually for the entire time. Uh, it was taste, like you, you just crave taste. Like I was known as the salt girl because I was like, I need to taste. Like I love food and, um, you know, not, you know, just, I don't know, just not having um much of it or anything to go with anyway so um it wouldn't have taken much for me to get off negotiating I would have just been happy with a little bit of chocolate but um yeah I used to go whenever we were at our our day was on the crossover days to go to the beach I would um go to the rock um at the top where they had um like all the dried out you know you know what I mean like on the rock surface and there would literally just be uh, salt and I would scrape it off and I'd take it back to camp and we just had like handfuls of rock salt like proper you know ocean rock salt and we just like douse our rice in it and fish and and it was and it was lovely so anything for taste out there (laughs) well that would have helped with the fish because you famously said you didn't like seafood I would be the same as you Jen I don't like seafood either so that's something you obviously had to try and at least get over quite quick and salt would have helped there. Uh, yeah, yeah, drown out the flavour. Um, oh, and that's the thing as well. Like how can you like fishing if you don't like to eat fish? Well, I just enjoy fishing, um, but I'm not a massive seafood fan and I'm not. I'm even more not of a fan of raw fish, you know. I prefer cooked fish if I have to have it. And um, anyway, so it – and again, this was part of the thing. I still ate everything, you know, the whelks off the rocks. I wasn't, you know, complaining about that. Abalone, we ate, we described that as eating like a – we would cook it so much that it would literally be just like eating part of a tyre, you know, you're just like – you're just chewing for ages and ages. And um, the fish, you know – ate the fish um you know it wasn't my favorite thing to eat but still did it it's not like i refused it well that's a that's another thing too that i mean they do show that in the edit you do say a couple of times where like yeah i don't like it but i'm going to eat it anyway and again at the reunion when eddie asked you that question you said a similar thing it was like well i didn't want to complain openly so it seemed that this kind of perception of you was this that and everything else but you publicly in front of everyone you were doing it as you just said that's what I, I I do feel like with with my experience uh, and and probably partly myself. Like I just kept a lot of stuff to myself because you never wanted to be the winger. Everyone knew what happened to the winger. You know they're always voted out first. The real dominant ones, you know, the ones that take take over camp and everything. The overpowering ones are always, you know, the ones that um, irritate people. And um, and so never hardly ever did I be like, oh, I'm not eating this, you know, or I'd be lying to say I enjoyed it, but I I still did it. Like I I did, I I ate it all and um, still, you know, went with everyone everywhere and, uh, and like I said, I feel like I need a little bit of credit 
We're giving it to you, Your Highness. Don't worry. Um, you mentioned you mentioned before about the night you went home. You knew you were going home. In the edit, again, our our beloved friend, the edit, they show a confessional of you basically saying, "Oh, I'm safe tonight. I'm I'm fine." What what was it that you knew you were going home? Because Joel, I'm sure, was still the target. Clearly, you, Katie, and Sophie voted for him, and it all came down to a tie. And it all seemed to come down to Joel swaying Robin Shona into forming a new deal with him. So, what was it that you thought you were still in danger that night? Oh. I, I just had a hunch, I think. I just, I don't know, because I remember I, I, yeah, Joel, Joel was, Joel was an interesting character um, and he, he was a very, um, uh, <laughs> um, how do I explain Joel? Um, like a, an emotional manipulator maybe even um and I don't know I I I actually can't even put words to it I just in the end I just felt like however that was going to work out I just had that feeling I was going home in the end and and yeah maybe deep down I thought I was going to be safe but I just yeah I had that niggle um and again this is like a confessional like I feel like now I'm able to sort of speak a bit more freely um because I don't care about what they think um but yeah I I don't know. Is it fair to say that you probably played the the whole entire game always feeling you're somewhere near the bottom of that tribe? Always yeah yeah I honestly from the moment I think they saw me um, there were niceties, like as in, you know, people were pleasant enough, but I was never given the opportunity to um, to be taken seriously. And, again, if you look at it, I, I'm not dumb either. Like I, I can see when I watched it over, um, I wish I had, you know, even had that chance to, like now, like now playing, imagine if you could make a big move and go with Craig and the other three, you know, and bring Sophie over. But then but it's a hard thing because then you're like, well, then you're out of that five, you're the minority too. So then you're just going to get picked off. So why not stay with safety? So it's, um, yeah, at the time I played played what I did. And, again, I, I feel like um, like my, my mind playing game now, it would be a lot more aware, a lot more... Um, aggressive in in style like I like I, I just feel like I understand it more and respect it more yeah so it is and even for me it's actually frustrating to watch because I think I had this golden opportunity to walk away with half a million dollars and even now like my perception of half a million dollars is so different to what I thought of it as an 18-year-old. Like at 18, you're sort of not thinking, oh, you know, you think, oh, one day I'll buy a house and everything. But now I have a house and I've got a husband and children and and they are your priority. And you sort of think, gosh, like half a million would literally set you up, whereas half a million I can have so many good holidays and um, I can buy a new car. And, and, and so, and again, it's just, it's all relative to the time. So... Um, yeah. Which I think too, I mean, I'm thinking back to me as an 18 year old as well. It's kind of, that's a very good point because you're told that you're going to get some money and you're going to get money for finishing in certain spots. So I can also imagine that you, like as an 18 year old, 
any money's going to be great money. At the end of the day, you're getting <laughs> given some cash. You've just finished school. So, hey, fuck it, I don't need a job now. i got a bit of money for a while. This is great. Do you know what? I got um, $11,000 and I thought I had hit the big time. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. I went out and I bought a little Corolla, which was like 20 years old, but I had no money really previous to this. <laughs> I was like, I've got wheels now. I've, um, you know, it was just like financial independence for a little while. And, and I'm like, I look back at it and I just think, you know, really that was compensation for not being home for that. And it was it was really hard. Like I keep saying that, but it was just a really, really difficult experience to be from. So I feel like I earned that $11,000 now looking back, but gosh, like what is half a million dollars now? Like that value of it is so different to um, what I thought of it back then because it would count, I feel like, for so much more now. When you get voted off, you first go to a tie with Joel. It's three old, three all. There's a revote, and you ultimately go home because you've got votes against you in previous tribal councils. Rob says in the next episode that they weren't aware that it was going to go to a tiebreaker vote. So were you all sort of in the dark about what would happen at a tie? Did you assume that it just automatically went to votes against you, Jane goes home? Or was it all just explained to you on the night? Oh, look, I'm... I actually don't know, to be honest. Um, like I said, my memory fades quick because it, it just feels like an eternity ago. Um, yeah, I, I actually can't answer that. I'm not even sure if we were aware of tiebreakers like beforehand or um, maybe we weren't. Be, um, yeah, I, I actually I, I can't answer that one, honestly. Because you were put on the spot. You had to quickly come up with a speech to the tribe and you had to, huh. before the re-vote, you did your speech, then Joel did his. Joel, not giving you shit, Jane, but Joel probably did a better speech than you, but I don't think in the oh, end that that... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that really ended up, like, changing who was going to vote for what. I think in the end everyone just voted the same in the second re-vote and, of yeah. course, you've got the most votes. Joel didn't have any votes, Joel votes had I think, against him no. at that stage. He had none, so you end up going home. But... What was it like then? So you're out. You know now that you, you're out. You finish sixth. You, you, you're you not going to win the half a million dollars. It, it does hit you probably 20 minutes, 30 minutes later. I know it did me. But can you remember just at that, sta- at that stage when you voted out, when did it hit you that, oh, the game's over for me? Oh, I think I was um... – it was probably not till later that night that I was like, well, it, like it's it's over. Like when, so when you get voted out, you get taken away, um, you sit down to a meal of your choice, which I think for everyone we just craves carbs. So most of us I think had pizza um, and in the car there was just like because of the sponsors we had chocolate and all sorts of things. So it was the initial I need food, like who cares about anything else? And this is, and again, um, this is me. Like I was just so hungry, (laughs) so hungry. Um, And then I think it was that night. So once they all leave, like they make sure you're okay and everything. And I think there was that little bit of, I was so close. Whether or not I had zero chance or a chance at winning, it was just that uh, that, disappointment that, 
like it was so close. Like it was six days away, and I, you know, um, yeah. But anyway, it, it, it is again how it is, and um, yeah. So it was it, it was disappointing for sure, but um, I don't know. There was a lot of distractions after it. Was it surprising to see how it all played out? Joel's little move that he obviously made to get him to that final three, Katie's breakdown, everything else that preceded your vote out? Yeah, I I was actually surprised that they did what they did with Joel. Like that was, um, you know, like, you know, if you take me to the final three, what is it, I'll throw the last challenge. I'm like... But he claims always to be a man of his word and man of integrity. And as it happens, it's how it happens, you know. So it was Robin Shane to to the end. Um, but yeah, it didn't didn't really like maybe that part of it surprised me the the fact that they would um, agree and trust and whatever else. But I think because he really, really genuinely seemed to be so. Um, um, integrity based it was probably an easy decision and believable so um that just secured their spot basically to the final two so it was a good move given katie's opinion of you are you glad you weren't in that final four because when she said maybe she could kill one of them you might have been in the firing line there oh she would have killed me first let's go (laughs) (laughs) she would have done it um the old knife to the back um yeah, she, yeah, she, like I said, I'd actually love to see Katie and all the contestants again because there has been so much time passed and, and I don't hate anyone, obviously, but, uh, like I just, just, yeah, it'd be nice to catch up with them. And, um, but yeah, she, she was definitely not interested in me at all. Your final jury, uh, well, your jury question at the final tribal council, uh, you basically asked Rob and Shona what they would do with their money. Now, Rob, of course, talked about his family in Zimbabwe, his wife's family trying to get back to Australia. Shona wanted to start up the Leonardo Foundation for, for youth long learning. Did that sway you in any way or did you always know you were voting for Rob? She was never getting my votes. <laughs> <laughs> it would not have mattered what she said. She was never getting it. Wow, wow. I feel like there's a lot of um, sort of um, talk with me and Shona. Like, I, again, I'd, I'd love to see Shona, but um, just at the time, like I said, there was just nothing there. So I'm like, why would I reward someone if there was no invested interest in me at all? why but you got rob on the other hand who treats me like a daughter so very very good social gameplay but also i i believe that there was a, a, a you know a genuine side to him as well and he was just interested in you know talking to you and like i said there was a lot of time out there where you weren't playing um challenges and when you weren't you know, fishing or getting water and that sort of stuff. So you really, really did have a lot of time to talk to people and we just just didn't have anything at all. <laughs> Lance mentioned in his interview, we all know Lance, we've dubbed him the nicest guy on the planet. You know, he got along with everyone. But he, even Lance admitted that out of everyone, he just didn't quite have as much sort of chat and, and in common with Shona and that out of everyone, Shona would have been the last on his list to get the vote. So. It's interesting you hear you hearing you say it as well because maybe Rob was aware of that. I'm sure Rob, he was a very smart guy. He probably thought, well, Jane will be voting for me, you know, Lance will be voting for me. Like he would have been the type of guy that would have been 
He would have been thinking about all that, who's going to vote for who, and realised he had the numbers all along. Yeah, he was, again, looking back at the game, he was a very strategic player. Like he he would have known that, and he would have had conversations with like Shona who would know that we, the two of us didn't get along. So he's like, already there's a vote for Jane for me if I take Shona to the end. He probably had a similar conversation with Lance, like if she, if he, they didn't have anything together. He probably, I don't know what their friendship was like. They always seemed to get along really well, but maybe the, she was his easiest, um, you know, one of the easiest because, I don't know, it just seemed like a good pair, but he was always on top. The one question that we're enjoying asking each of the jury members is kind of a vote redux, like if the final two had been slightly different and we're telling this up to see how this would have played out. One of these is going to be very interesting, actually, but I'll start with the obvious one here. If it was Rob and Katie at the end, does Rob still get your vote there? Yes. Okay. So that's two all now for that. All right. Now, the, the tricky one here, though, Shona and Joel, who gets your vote then? Oh, what a oh, – um, oh, man, why are you guys doing this to me? <laughs> For this exact reason. What's the, what's the count so far on that one, Ben? It's uh, – well, I don't want to tell her because it might sway a decision. Uh, don't, don't tell me. Let me um, – I really don't – oh, how would I even answer that? Because Shona and I had nothing – Joel was super irritating and we wanted each other out from the beginning, but, um, oh. You might have had to make them choose a number at this point and whoever gets closest to the number gets your vote. Well, yes, yeah, someone did that recently, wasn't it? Or like pick a rock or, um, uh, oh, I don't know. Come on, Jane, put yourself up there. You're, you're, you're there at the urn. <laughs> You've got to write down a name. You've got five seconds to write it down. What name are you writing down to win? Oh, <laughs> um, that's a really hard one. Okay, let me think quickly. Um, oh, gosh. What? Do I have to choose? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've got all night. Um, Our listeners, go get a coffee right now. This might right. take a while, listeners. Matt and I just might go cook ourselves something. We're like trying to give you a genuine answer. I'm just like stumped. Um, it's the first time I think I've ever stumped someone in 16 years of radio and podcasting. No one's ever uh, been this stumped with one of my questions before. I'm kind of honoured. <laughs> yeah, look, oh, gosh. I think it would come down to like an eeny meeny because I didn't like both of them. So... Um, maybe, look, I couldn't stand Joel and he wanted me out from the beginning. So maybe Shona. All right. We'll we'll wait. Right. That is gospel. So Shona now has three. Joel has one. So she's one away from winning. Wow. Look at this. (laughs) Shona could win with our next guest. We'll have to find out. You, You mentioned before about, you know, some of the reactions that you had, but outside of, of forums and things like that, your family, did you get recognised? Kind of were there there opportunities outside of the game after it had finished that you kind of took because of being on Survivor? I mean, what was that whole experience like once the show had finished airing? You know, I I actually had a really, um, I I actually did have a nice experience afterwards. So you put all the, the forum stuff aside and all the written stuff 
Um, I actually had um, a lot of opportunities to speak to school kids and I think it was just that relatable, um, the age, and and I found it so much fun um, and I genuinely enjoyed it because kids, even like little kids even now, are fascinated still with the concept of the show and, you know, I – I, I just, like, they were, you had a um, this audience that was just so interested in your story and it was more like I told, you know, and you could be really animated with kids as well. Like, you know, it took me hours to brush my hair and they never gave us hair ties on the show so we were, I was left with one just massive dreadlock and I had worms falling out of my hair and dirt and and we slept in the dirt and, you know, kids were like, wow. So, um uh, that, um, uh, you know, side of it was really nice. And, yeah, you'd go to the shops and, and you'd be walking. And, and again, most of my, my my little fans were kids. Like they just were always like you could see them going, mum, 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 you know, that's Jane. And um, and so I really, I really enjoyed that part of it. It was like an innocent. It was actually the sweet part of the show for me. So uh, it was good. I think we've, we've been seeing a lot of behind-the-scenes photos and kind of candid shots from around that period. And I do actually think I've got a couple of photos from I must be when you were just voted out because there's a picture of you with a giant pizza and also with all your hair like all matted together and all that sort of stuff so um you know it's it's interesting to kind of hear that that was you know things that you would tell people like that because I mean looking at these photos I'm staring at them right now I'll have to send these to you if you haven't seen them uh it's it's actually quite interesting to see that you know reaction after the game they never like that's why I'm always like there's a lot of things now I'm like how do girls look so good um like on these new seasons like honestly like their hair is flawless they're always in different braids and and it looks like they have a brush out there we were not even given a hair tie and my hair is still so long like um we I would have to off the torch they had these hanging pieces of material and so uh, I think I even used um uh the you know, I think it was like either a drawstring off a pair of shorts or something. So I just ended up with this matted head of hair that they managed to put in three huge plaits and tie off with a piece of string, I think, at the bottom. But uh, I was, and that's why it never changed because it was just one huge knot and uh, we were never given anything. Um, and because we would sleep, like our camp was based on dirt and Kadena was more so sort of like a rocky um, sort of camp. We were just like rolling around in dirt because we, we our shelter was on the ground, like we had no sticks or bed. I think we tried to do it, but anyway, so we were just filthy and I remember getting voted off and just <laughs> just trying to, I'm like, I'm probably going to have to shave my head. Um, but um, <laughs> after hours just picking away at it and and I got it out. But, um, yeah, actually the other interesting thing that happened, um, literally probably three months after the show finished, I went to the doctor and I said, something is wrong. I am losing all my hair. And uh, I was genuinely worried. I was like, all my hair is falling out. And I, even to this day, I reckon I lost probably about a third of my hair. <laughs> 
Um, and it was coming out in clumps. And um, because this is, again, the, the, the starving side of the show, like we were just not fed almost anything for five weeks. And the doctor explained, he said, have you been through a period of stress? And I'm like, well, yes. And, uh, and, and and then as my nails grew through, they grew through with lumps, all like a ridge across all my fingernails. So it was literally like my body was eating itself from the inside out and just my vital organs were being fed and everything else stopped. So my hair, my nails. And um, yeah, so that was a little bit like, whoa, you know, just uh, like what's going on? But anyway, he assured me that it was fine. And then when it grew through, I had this thick head of hair um, of like regrowth coming through, which we took photos of because it was just so much. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of like after show stuff that was, was interesting. <laughs> Did you remain in contact with people for some time afterwards? And are there anybody still 18 years later that you do remain in contact with as well? I saw, uh, who was it? Um, I went and saw Rob when I went to Melbourne for something and it was probably, not too long. It might have been within the months after the show, and I actually went to his house and and met him and his family. Uh, I think his wife was there, and anyway, it was just nice to catch up with him. Um, and I did the same with Sophie. I got to see her once. Lance organised a trivia night, and so it was Lance uh, and myself, and I think a few others. I saw Joel maybe once out as well. Um, and Tim Duggan, Tim Duggan and I actually did a talk together and, uh, so, and we didn't really have anything to do with each other on the show, but just that mutual respect and connection. And he was lovely as well. So, but really that was all probably within the first 12 months after the show finished. And I haven't seen any of them since, uh, maybe, um, might have run into Craig somewhere or we had a mutual friend. I'm not, I can't remember, but uh, Naomi's I've got her and Craig on Instagram and, and that sort of stuff. But no, I haven't, I haven't seen Katie, haven't seen um, Sophie since. I haven't seen virtually anyone. So, yeah. So it must be pretty exciting the fact that, you know, you heard that we were doing this podcast and we're getting all the contestants and people that worked on the show on. And of course we've announced that uh, there is going to be a reunion um, next year, at the end of next year for the 20 year reunion. So hopefully if you attend, you you get the chance to uh, catch up with every, everyone that you haven't seen for 19 or 20 years. I'd love it. I actually would really, really love it because it is such a massive memory um, and an experience. So uh, and it's almost 20 years on. A lot has happened in 20 years. Like we're all 20 years older. I, you know, look 20 years older. I think Craig said he still remembers me as an 18-year-old. Well, I'm 37 now, married, kids, house, worked, you know, a lot uh, fills that gap um, and, uh, you know, yeah, so it would be, uh, funnily enough, the the one I'd actually be really interested in seeing is Katie. Uh, I, I think about what what has Katie been doing these last, you know, 18 years um, and uh, even Sophie because I feel like we we had like a real nice social um, friendship on the show and, and she had little kids and like her kids would be grown up by now and, um, yeah, so I think it's just literally like another generation later um, yeah, a lot, a lot to catch up on. 
I the only one of your entire cast I've met in person is actually Katie. I had the pleasure of catching up with her a couple of months ago now when I was in Melbourne and I mean, she is just looks exactly the same, absolutely incredible. She's, you know, been completely, you know, different life to what she had 20 years ago, but um, doing fantastic. And it's it's actually, I think for the most part in getting to see all of you via Skype and kind of doing these interviews, you say you're 20 years older, but again, Jane, and we're saying this to everyone, you, you don't look 20 years older. You still look the same. And maybe that's just because we've been watching you guys so closely on our computer screens and TV screens recently to analyze this season but seriously you you know you still look exactly the same as you did 18 years ago oh thanks i felt a little bit bigger <laughs> um but yeah I, it's funny because just a random conversation and i know it is only 20 years up we're not talking 50 or 70 but i still remember my having a conversation once with my grandmother and she was just saying like aging is such a funny thing because like the like you you start to look older but inside you are still this young 20 something year old person and um like i said 20 i've been alive longer since the show has finished than I was on the other side. Like I'm literally more than twice my age. So um, naturally I'm going to to probably look um, like the most different maybe. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is, uh, yeah, it's just like I just can't believe it's coming up 20 years. You're right. A lot has happened in 20 years. And, and one of those things being is Survivor, of course, got a massive reboot Um by Channel 10 in 2016. We all know that there was a celebrity version um, a few years after your season, but that was a, a, a bit different. Channel 10 in 2016 announced that they were going to do the reboot, which they have, and it's it's now I was lucky enough to be a part of one of those seasons in 2018, which yeah. which got to, I got to live the dream that, you know, I said to you that I, I applied for your season and didn't get on and, yeah. So to be able to live that dream, so I'm, I'm always thankful for Channel 10 for rebooting it. But one thing we have noticed is your season, because it was so long ago and didn't do that great as far as people thought it wasn't quite up to standard as the American season, that it's kind of been forgotten. So one thing that Ben and I have um, talked about at length, especially before doing this this whole podcast, was we wanted to bring attention to your season because it actually wasn't that bad of a season. And you are a part of the whole Survivor family, or even if you it was 19 years ago when you played. So we are thankful that Survivor's come a long way now, and, and, and it sounds like you're still a fan of it. But, you know, did you kind of feel that you had your season had been forgotten about? Look, when when so when Survivor first started, it was literally like a it was the biggest thing on television. It was so popular. And then you get this like our season, number one, season number one, number one Australian Survivor. And it's I think a few things let the show down. I think number one was the theme song. And like I heard Katie say, it was like it just didn't feel survivorish, you know, like it just lacked that that iconic survivor intro, um, which I think was a little bit disappointing. It was a beautiful our our intro, like um, you know, the others have mentioned, is still iconic for us, like it is our theme song, but that uh did 
sort of, um, you know, just, uh, I don't know, it was just that one thing that was a little bit different. And because, like, it did have this cult following, I think they wanted it to be so much like the American series. And um, then the, the location, it was it was so rugged and and they weren't expecting it to be so cold. But I think people just enjoy looking at people on beaches. I think there's something so nice about, um, you know, palm trees and, uh, you know, just that lazing in water and just that tropical, I want to be there, I can feel like I'm there sort of, you know, experiencing it too. It was just not like that for us at all. And um also, I think like Lincoln was a fantastic host, but I think people thought perhaps that we would get Jeff. Um, and I think Jeff did leave a message for us, um, but it, it just sort of didn't seem to, um, you know, it just wasn't the same as the American one. And I think that sort of turned people off a bit. And not to mention when they aired Our Survivor, it was the same time that Australian Big Brother um was just huge like it just seemed to be the the biggest like it, it was sort of like survivor was just didn't seem to get the ratings and then but as it's proved you've got um survivor the actual series and the show you just can't beat it like i i, I just think it's still one of the best shows ever um so i don't know i just think it was just maybe bad timing because of when it sort of came on with Big Brother, like they were competing for ratings and it just sort of didn't seem the same as the American series and people loved, you know, why change what's um, what works sort of thing. And um, but now the way that they've done it and even like um, Jonathan, the host and and the locations and um, just the way that the game is played now with all the the hidden immunities and the, the challenges and I know just it is amazing. So they're doing an absolutely fabulous job and I loved our series and we are still number one as in we are the first season, uh, whether or not people want to choose to acknowledge that or not. But, um, yeah, it was it was good. And, um, but, yeah, they've certainly come a long way in just developing the show um, that bit more. We definitely are the sole arguments out there. Well, not really you're joining in that argument, but the sole I guess, show that acknowledges you as season one. So Nick Danza, when he says, I'm on season one, no, you weren't, you were on season three. Let's clarify that. But it's, I mean, it's interesting that you, like, again, the big brother aspect, we've talked a little bit about it before. And I think the thing also to realise with that as well is that when big brother came to Australia, we had never seen the American version. That was the only version Australians had seen. So that to us was, wow, this is amazing. Australian Idol, 2003, that was the only version we had seen. This is amazing. Survivor, what it had going against it was that we, as a country, loved the first two seasons. We were expecting Mm. it to be exactly the same. As you said, I'm sure many people expected Jeff Probst to be the host. We were expecting to hear Ancient Voices as the title theme. So it was all very (laughs) jarring, so it all kind of worked against it. But as we keep talking about on this show, it, it is time now with this show to watch your season it really isn't bad. And you can actually see what they did was kind of groundbreaking for Australian television that you kind of had this to lay the groundwork. People who argue there's no strategy, there is strategy. People argue there were no great characters, there were great characters. There was so much working for your season that it's basically like if you were to take your season, you had all the raw footage You had ancient voices to work with, the modern music, the modern editing techniques. And if they could edit your season in the modern lens, 
it would go down as an absolutely brilliant season, which I still think it does. So uh, we love talking your season up, as you can tell. We get a bit passionate about it, but it's it's, it's guys talking up. Good, good, because it's it's great to hear. Like obviously from the cast to hear this because. You know, it's great that we have Australian Survivor now. It's fantastic that it's finally kind of stuck and people are into it. But it is something that you guys do need that respect. You do need to be acknowledged. And whether or not Channel 10 do that one day or not, who knows. But it's just something that we feel is very important that you guys played this game and you need to be remembered as history makers for Australian Survivor as the very first 16 who did it. Yeah, well, that's right. I'm like, we, like I said, when we first played this game it was really just such a new thing but it was um so captivating and it was still in its early sort of days of survivor so I feel like just watching all the seasons over the years like the past 18 years um uh, or 20 years I think they've been doing this for now um I really feel like I I've learned so much more and um, I don't know, I, I, but in giving our season credits, like I said, we, we did it, we did it tougher than any other that's been on. Um, the elements that we faced were worse. Uh, admittedly though, we didn't actually get that much rain out there. So, uh, which was nice because I think we, <laughs> I don't know what would have happened just having everything wet and being so cold, but um yeah, I don't know. I just think that, yeah, the show itself needs to be given a bit more credit. And, yes, we were the first season. Um, we didn't have a, a few of the iconic um, survivor aspects to it, which I think people were just really disappointed with. And um, But if you look at it on a whole, uh, it was I, I think it was a good season. And, um, I. Yeah, look, Channel Ten. If 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 you ever want um, interesting viewing, give the youngest Australian Survivor a chance at redemption. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, why not? I'm like, I I. And to be honest, I would think nothing would irk Craig more than if I got a chance. <laughs> <to be honest. laughs> I'm so sorry about him. Like, or twenty seven year old now, forty five. I'm like, this is my chance. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, anyway, so, um, yeah, but Channel 10, if, you, if you're watching, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think uh, it's, yeah, I just like the way it's all all gone and, um, yeah, I've learned a lot from watching and it's just I still think it is the best reality show on television and it cannot be beaten. It has everything in it. Um, it's good for kids. It's good for adults. It's um, like even my daughter who is five, she wants to come out and I get really frustrated because it's my time, you know, from 7, 7.30 and she wants to come out and watch the beach show. And I um, just not too long ago I actually told her that I went on the show because now that this is all coming up and she's like, really? And um, anyway, so I've, I've pulled some things out to show her later. But she even loves it as a five-year-old. She loves the challenges. She loves all this, and and um, you know, and it'll be great for her to think, oh, mum, you know, mum did that once, so and maybe again in the future. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think the interesting thing that's kind of come to light, uh, at least at the time of recording this in the last week or so, is that the winner of Celebrity Survivor. Guy Leach supposedly got a call from Channel 10 to potentially be an All-Stars. Now, if this is true, that's Channel 10 acknowledging that at least one of the previous two seasons 
existed if they were interested in Guy Leach on, which I'll be honest, is both great but also very annoying because then if that is what they're doing, why the hell have they not acknowledged your season by giving Katie or Craig, someone like that, a call? So it's... Or Jane, sorry, sorry, or Jane. Um, but it's it, that is equal levels frustrating. But it, it is, I think the thing with you though, Jane, is that no matter what no, anybody wants to say or acknowledge your season, season two, the celebrity version, you to this day are still the youngest player to ever play this game. And that that is something. That is something very important, I think, that people need to remember because 20 years old is the youngest player to ever play the Channel 10 version. They've never even gone to a teenager below 20. So you still hold that distinction. So I think that that's something, <laughs> and it, particularly that time period, as we talked about at the top of this interview, is a big thing. So history-making player you are, the queen still, just saying that, history-making player. <laughs> well, thank you. And uh, and like I said, whether or not people think I was, I'm worthy of that title, yeah, you know, I don't care, but um, I'll... I'll uh, I'll take it as in uh, I'm pretty proud of myself for being, um, you know, still the youngest, but just being able to survive for that long um, is, is a real achievement. And whether or not it, like I said, it's based on luck, um, you know, zero gameplay or whatever else, um, I I just, it, yeah, I think it's it's pretty cool. Like I, I, I did it. I got to final six, whether or not, like I said, people think, it, you know, I was hopeless, but, hey, I still got there. Um, and, again, it, you know, you, 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 like, you know, I find myself criticising how I played and how could I be so naive and how come I didn't do this and how come I didn't do that. But, again, I think things come with maturity and, and like I said, they all moaned and whinged and complained that I just didn't have this life experience. Well, I've got it now and, um, yeah, so it would, I would play it differently if, if you ever had that chance. But, uh, yeah, I, I like that title. Thank you. The great thing about you too, Jane, is the fact that even if, even if you played in the next, say, five years, you still wouldn't be classed as a really old player. You would only be, say, 42 if you played in five years' time. There's plenty – that's still relatively young to play this game. It's not like you're going to be out there with a walking stick at 70, you know. You're, you're, you'd you're be 42 and, and playing, you know, I think it would be great. I think it would be a chance for them to really promote it, to say, hey – We've got this girl that played over 20 years ago, the youngest ever player in the history of this game in Australia. Now she's a mother, you know, married, all that. Let's bring her back over 20 years later. She's now in her 40s. Let's give her a crack. Yeah, well, look, I'm just warning everyone in advance. If they're going to expect some challenge um, beasts, like they keep calling them, it's, it's just not going to be from me. So <laughs> that's why I'm like, why is the social gameplay is always so frowned upon? Um, that would be my, um, I guess, the way I would play the game. I'd have to because, uh, you know, and and to think as well that I'd be just so lazy and not do anything around camp is absurd. Um, yeah, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it, it would certainly, I think it would make the interesting viewing. I could picture you playing that sort of, Pia Miranda role that she played. I could see you taking on that same sort of role in the game. 
like I said, I actually really liked. I I thought she played a fabulous game. She was she was actually um, good at challenges, um, and she just seemed to be the all round nice person. And but also she made good moves, and she knew when to make the moves. And I I think. She just had that little bit of everything. She was well liked. She was she was good at challenges. Um, she wasn't the most physical, but she could certainly um, hold herself. And then uh, and then she she sort of was just that you know just that quiet sort of unassuming, but still a still a really good team player. But just just sort of did her thing. But and it, and it got her to the end, and she won. And not to mention, she almost got voted out at the very first tribal council. And like you said, if you guys would have gone to the first tribal, <laughs> you probably would have been voted out first. I see a lot of similarities, Jane. Yeah. Well, now that you're talking out loud and talking about it, I do too. <laughs> um, I don't know what she would think about it if she saw my season and thought we were comparing each other. But uh, <laughs> right now, I think it would, uh, like, if I was to think I would, if I was to match myself to someone, I'd like to think. I'd be like Pia. Now, of course, they released a handbook for your season, the official Australian Survivor handbook. I'm holding it in my hands, and I always like to just go over a couple of things. <laughs> well, your your bio here. Um, so oh. your favorite dinner, your mum's lemon chicken and baked dinner, still a favorite. Oh, that's still a favorite. I make that here. My husband doesn't really like it. He says it's. Um, too saucy, yeah. but we love like, real rich food. Um, but yeah, it's uh, that is still really good. I love it. Favorite sports team now, this is one here for going against Matt as he's a little bit more NRL minded than I am. But the Newcastle Knights, still your team? Uh, yeah, again, I don't really follow football, but being patriotic and from Newcastle, it's got to be the Knights. All right. Uh, favourite movie, Father and the Bride, one and two, and The Green Mile. Well, that's a bit of a contrast. Yes, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, do you know, at the time I obviously really liked them and I still love, I'm, I'm a bit of a, you know, rom-com sort of uh, I don't know. I, I, I still enjoy that sort of stuff. I, I wouldn't say the Green Mile's at the top of my list anymore. Um, but I actually did find that an interesting movie at the time. But uh, yeah. Well, there's a few here that have, I mean, like favorite TV show, Roswell. I mean, that was on air at the time. I, I don't know if kind of you, you still hold up to <laughs> Roswell 20 years later. You know what? This is what makes me feel old now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Survivor's still my favorite show. Probably Jurassic Park series, finally. Oh. Oh, is, there um, you go, I correct answer. There you go. Yep. I also love here Thanks. too your favourite snack food, not one for the sponsor drop here. You've got kettles, chips and twisties. No Lay's love there? No, I love twisties still. <laughs> chicken chicken or cheese? Oh, probably cheese, good old cheese. All right, and I also love here your phobia, not liking snakes or spiders. Now, like that's what I've always said. If I was to play Survivor, I, I would hate like the living on the land and the spiders would irk me. Snakes, not so much, but how did you find the snakes and spiders out there? Do you know what? There was, um, I do vividly remember, I only saw it once, um, one of the producers, because we had these like little um you never really saw them but they just is where we kept our clothes like these little bag things and they were just sort of kept off camera a bit 
And they said, this is why you zip everything up. And um, there was a snake just sort of coming through where our um, bags were. And I remember also um, being in the tents one night because you literally, I don't know if you remember, our tent was like oh, maybe two feet off the ground at the side and maybe three foot at the middle. So you'd literally just have to roll in. And I remember once seeing a huntsman on the oh. inside of the tent. And um, I know, and I like you kind of trapped, and, and you didn't want to make a scene. But I was just like, "Oh goodness!" I wouldn't give a shit. I'd be making a scene. I'd be, I'd be out of there. Oh, Vote me out. I, I'm not uh, sleeping in the tent with that thing. Oh, <laughs> but it was real, and we had a lot of those millipede things. They were everywhere, like around our camp. So like you'd be just sleeping with them. And uh, but funnily enough, uh, my husband and I we bought a house uh, right near Bush, so we live back onto Crown lands and. Uh, we've seen a lot of snakes and I hate them. And um, we've got spiders and stuff and I, I I loathe, I just, I hate it. And you think, well, why buy a house near the bush? Well, the house is beautiful. Like, you know, it's a, just got like for kids, it's perfect. You've got some um, some land for them to grow up on. But I, um, my dad was walking down the driveway and he goes, so you realise you've got a dead snake on the driveway? And I was like, no. And it was probably a baby brown. Wow. Um, you know, I'm like, oh. Anyway, so, yeah, I still hate them. What One positive to having lived in New Zealand for the last 18 months and now in Canada is that when I hear my fiancé Mallory say, ah, there's a spider, uh, it's a really big one. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's not because it's like the size of like a 50-cent piece. That's considered a big spider over here. So I feel brave in these countries. But if I hear those words in Australia, I'm like, nah, nah, deal with it yourself. I'm not going near it. Oh, well, I think everyone's got a spider in the car story, don't they? Oh, I remember God, driving yes. and seeing that one yep. here and then doing the typical, you know, what not to do, like break suddenly, pull over to the side of the road and just dance around the, the car and um, and it vanished into the air conditioning vents, then you're doomed. Yeah. Like, yep. You never <laughs> drive in that car you again. Just <laughs> I'm just picturing you, Jane, in, in your 20-year-old Corolla that you'd bought with the money you'd won off Survivor, driving down the highway with a spider. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm pretty sure it was that car and I was, oh, my goodness. Oh, I, I still remember it as clear. And do you know what? It, I actually felt on the because I was going to a gym and I felt something on my leg on the way there and I was like, oh, you know, like just, I don't know, just sort of dismissed it. And then on the drive back I saw this thing and I was just like, I had a meltdown. Anyway, um, I, I called my dad and, um, you know, and I was in tears and he's like, just smack it. <laughs> and, um, and I think I just had to stay there till it was gone. So anyway, I've just, yeah, well, still don't like it. Could you imagine if Shona was watching on? She just would have had a hand yeah. in, her, in, her, in her face just thinking, oh, no, Jane, Jane, Jane. Uh, well, Shona would probably would have picked it up. Giving it a little pat yeah. and then uh, <laughs> sets it on it in every way. I don't know, but no, I, there's just shoes and me with spiders. <laughs> to, to, to this day, no matter where I am in the world, if I get into a car, I pull down the visor to check. Always, just always do it. It's just it's instinct. Yeah, I actually, 
I do the same thing, particularly yep. if it's not my car. Yep. Um, my husband's car always has spiders in it. He parks under this particular tree, and if I've ever got in it, I open the door up and I look around the the, the door jam and then pull the visor over carefully. And uh, yeah, I'm just like, oh, no surprises, thanks. <laughs> now, before we let you go, Jane, you mentioned obviously married, kids, house in the bush. What else has been happening in your life? It's been 18 years. You can sit here and tell as much or as little as you like, but, uh, you know, things obviously uh, going well for you right now and everything else has, has been good? Yeah. I um, So after the show finished, I was, I don't know, I was just like a little bit, not, I wouldn't say lost, but I was just like, oh, you know, it was such an anti-climax, you know. What do I do now? And I... Out of when I was in school, I applied for nine things to go to university and didn't get into one of them. So uh, I was left with TAFE, and um, that's fine. So I did office admin at TAFE, and then went on to do some of the world's most boring admin jobs in the world, and despised my time there. And um, some of them were good, but some of them were so boring. I was like, "Can this be it? Like, really? Is this?" <laughs> Is this it? Anyway, I'd always, always loved aviation, and um, I like my dad had his um, small aircraft license, and you know it, it was just just a bit of a, a fantasy and dream to be a flight attendant. Anyway, I just remember hating the jobs that I was in, and I was like, "Gosh, I've got to there's just yeah, got to be more." Anyway, I applied for a job um, with an international um, that was starting up an international airline, and uh, applied for it, and then got a call back straight away and then one thing led to the other and then within a few weeks I was moving to Sydney and started my ground school there and I worked for well actually only just resigned um, so I've been there for 14 years uh, flying as an international cabin manager and it was a really really good job like I loved it a lot of responsibility I think everyone thinks you just throw out biscuits and have cups of tea but um it's actually a, a very responsible job and um I really enjoyed it the travel side was it was great and I enjoyed the social side of um being on airplanes and um and because we did international you had a long time to to mix with people so I did that then I got married back in 2013 uh, and then we went on to have we've got three beautiful children um, a little girl who's five and then two boys um, so I've got my hands full of five a three and a one-year-old um, and yeah and then just recently quit uh, my work just because there was just for me personally there was realist and this is before all all the craziness of COVID happened um it was actually earlier this year I was like there's no way I could return to flying with such a young family and uh, and my priorities are so different now so um I'm just a full-time mum and we run our own um business and yeah so life is good fantastic well you were on the ball you you quit at the right point then clearly you 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 were intuitive you're like wow now's the time to go Coming, so no, it was just just by coincidence, really. Um, and I was still on maternity leave anyway, so it didn't really um, didn't really matter. But um, yeah, so it's just been um, life is busy. Um, wouldn't change it though. Got a yeah, great husband and three gorgeous kids. So um, a lot is a lot is different these days. 
you definitely appreciate you coming on the show, Jane, because we, we, yeah, when, when I heard that you've got a young family and everything, it, I know giving up a couple of hours to to talk about stuff that happened nearly 20 years ago, um, you know, not everyone has the time for that. But, uh, you know, just it was so important for us to get you on the show because, like I said, we've said it numerous times now, you are the youngest player in history. And just to hear it from your point of view and, and uh, to hear that you still love the game so much and now your kids are getting in it, this is what we love. We love hearing these stories and it it, it makes us it, it makes it worth us doing this podcast. Yeah, and you know what? It's been so nice to reminisce because I've been watching um, your show and, and the Facebook um, page and, it, like literally we were given no copy of the series. Um, I think they gave us a couple of photos and it was just whatever memorabilia we had. So everything is literally a time capsule in my memory. And um, I haven't, I think there was oh, maybe in the couple of years after the show, I YouTubed, found on YouTube the series and watched it on that. And uh, so we, which was like, oh, you know, um, interesting to watch again. But, uh, yeah, it's been really nice to sort of bring up all these old memories and, um, yeah, just sort of, I don't know, recap it all and um, look through. I got out, I uh, sent a photo of all my stuff that had, I do have other stuff like I told you, but it's in a bag somewhere up in the top. But just flicking through all the old, um, you know, newspaper cutouts and I've got everything like I kept everything the contracts the initial letter to say well done and then the letter to say um you're in the finals and then come for this interview and everything so it's it's been really nice actually to to talk about it well as always we would love to if you ever want to go through it and take photos or scan it we we would be absolutely uh, thrilled if you could because we're getting a lot of people sharing these things as you're seeing on our social media and it's great to kind of keep a little uh collection of all these and we can definitely hook you up with some uh, decent quality versions of your episodes. I mean, in all seriousness, though, they are legally available online on YouTube. The official Survivor <laughs> channel is does have them on there. So, But uh, if, you, if you want them, we can yeah. hook you up. Yeah, it'd be great. And I see, Jane, we actually, it's in the background now, but we, we took a screenshot of it earlier. You have your torch from the show and your buff, but so tell us about how you got that torch and, and any other memorabilia that you actually kept. Did, did you get a sign buff? I know a lot of we're seeing a lot of the contestants that have got buffs that are signed from all the contestants. Yeah. So what what do you actually have? Uh, well, like I said, I've got probably four or five folders of every single piece of paper um, in relation to the show, whether it's, um, yeah, the magazine cutouts and ads for stuff and those um, foil slips that go on the front of chip packets that says, you know, you're the survivor cards inside. I've got the survivor cards. I think they're up the top somewhere. Um, and I've got the shell that I used to eat dinner out of, the driftwood um, pieces that Rob did for us. He actually professionally got them um, like stamped. Um, he took them all. I think he went back and got them anyway. So he, he's he got those for us and some that he personally carved out there for us. I uh, bid, they did um, a charity auction for a lot of the props that were used and like things like the um, the torches. So I managed to bid on my torch and got that, got my survivor buffs. And like I said, really for me, the most iconic 
pieces like the that a real survivor is the torch and the buff and I've still got both of mine we never got the merge buff um the aurora but uh yeah so I've still got my original two blues and ah oh, there we go we 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 we, we <laughs> may have gotten some made which we may have one for you which we will make sure we get Ooh. sent to you uh, after this episode oh nice a- an official um merge buff that'd be nice <laughs> That'd be good because, yeah, we've got just the two and then the torch and, uh, yeah, whatever else I managed to sort of find around camp. But I even kept all my clothes and I never washed them. Wow. So I don't even I don't even dare open the bag. <laughs> um, like I said, I haven't opened it for, for like two decades almost, so who knows what it looks like on the inside. But, um, yeah, so I, I did keep a bit. Um, I kept um, the false and true sign that we had. Uh, yeah, just a lot of memories attached to these sort of little pieces of, um, yeah, Survivor history. Well, having been in a former Survivor contestant's house when they open up that box and then they realise they too have a bag filled with clothes that they wore on the show that never washed, I would strongly recommend not <laughs> smelling them because it's it's weird when somebody hands you a bikini and goes, sniff this, and I know I'm good, thanks. Uh, not that I would anyway, but it's just it's like, whoa, okay, not a good smell. Do you know? Most of our uh, people, the two things that people asked a lot, like our most curious was how do you go to the toilet out there and do people stink? And um, and to be honest, like I look, like I said, this was I'm gonna give you the all info. Um, I one of I don't know if they were joking or not, but some of the guys, like whether it be Rob or Lance or um Jeff, I can't remember who said it, but they reckoned um the smooth sea stones, like the rocks, actually worked really good, apparently. <laughs> and um, as makeshift toilet paper and uh the yeah, just um Again, I don't know, like it's kind of gross, but you just never needed to go to the toilet. And that's what I tell people. Like obviously you'd be drinking water, but for the other, you just never needed to go because it just proved how little you were eating. And it's like I said, I'm sorry if I've grossed anyone out, but it was like not many in five weeks, like not at all. So it was just really hard. So that part of it was easy. I I couldn't care less about the bathroom experience on the show because – it wasn't a problem. Um, and as far as people smelling, it was so cold. I never smelled anyone. Like it wasn't like people were sweating. And then you had the campfires and it was everything just smelled like smoke. So it was a good um, cover up even if someone did. Well, I, I know a lot of the US Survivor contestants have talked about aqua dumps where because they're right on the water, they would just go take a, you know, a poo out in the water. You, you guys didn't have that if you, even if you needed to go. Oh. No, no. Oh, no, no, I never, no aqua dumps um, <laughs> for Australian style. Well, not that I'm aware of. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but um, no one confessed to it. And like I said, unless you had to get into the water, you just really didn't want to get in. Um, uh, and yeah, no, no, none of those for us. There's, there's an image you're not going to get out of your head. Jane, it, it really has been a, an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And I, I really, I, we haven't done this for any other guests, but We're I'm going to do gonna this. We're not going to finish the show with um, toilet talk. Of course we are. Of course we are. You know, that's, it's, it's, well, I was going to make it better right now because like we've never done this with any other guests before. I'm going to play out your interview with some music. I feel we need to get some royal trumpets or something going on right about now if we can have that in the background. Because, again, as I said at the top of the show, 
We've never had royalty on. Here we are, and we're closing it out with some great music for royalty. Queen Jane, it has been a pleasure chatting with you on ASA today. Thank you very much for your time. Oh, thank you so much. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. And Jane, can I just say, as an 18-year-old, I'm still jealous that you took that 18-year-old spot over me, but you did the show justice, and uh, thank you for coming on the podcast today. <laughs> well, don't hold it against me, um, you know, but yes, I did beat you as well, and uh, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a real pleasure um, coming on. I actually really have enjoyed it. It's been great. And... As we fade that music down, I think, there. Wow, good to have somebody out on a royal tune there, uh, Matt. Uh, what, a, what a fun interview that was. Queen literally proving that she is the queen. Look at us being on the ball throughout this recap series. She proved to us that she is a queen. She sure did, and I knew this was going to be a great interview. It was one that we really wanted to get here on ASA and uh, – yeah, to hear all the stories from the, the youngest player in history. She she has made history in Australian Survivor. And, um, yeah, to hear that she still loves the game these years later when she watched it with her kids. Um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to hear, Ben, and it's such a good interview. I, I feel we're going to get a few messages from Craig after this one. So, hello, Craig. I uh, hope, you're, hope you're doing well. But, actually, I also feel like I, I need to apologise to Nick Idanza. I don't know why I always use him as the scapegoat as the people bagging out the older season. I, Nick has never, in my uh, you know, retro- my recollection bagged out season one or, you know, this sort of thing. I think I'm just bringing him up because he had that big speech in All Stars about being an OG. So sorry, Nick, if you ever listen to this, which you're probably not, but I just feel like I need to apologise to Nick because we do want you on the show in a couple of couple of seasons' time. <laughs> I'm sure he was told to um, call his season season one, but, look, I'm, I'm sure everyone knows that this is um- – this is a true season one. It's unfortunately just on a different channel. Now, of course, moving forward, we are we are into next week the penultimate episode where things really are heating up. And it's, I'm really looking forward to this recap because I think now just with the recaps that we're doing, there's just going to be so much juicy stuff to talk about. And it's kind of it's exciting but sad because I realise that we're getting to some great stuff to chat about, as I just said. We've got some great interviews lined up with the, the final group of people on this show, which we're we're very excited for but it also is sad because it means that we're kind of almost getting very much to the end of what we're doing here for this season we're not going away we're still going on to the other seasons of course but uh it's kind of a bittersweet in many aspects of of the remaining weeks but still exciting you're right ben we've been building up to this this massive finish all this time and it's been exciting like i I'm sure you can agree with me. I've learned so much, you know, stuff that we never knew happened and, and it's so great getting all these people in. But at the same time, you're you're right. It, it's sad because we are nearly finished this season. But in saying that, we've still got a few big characters to get on the show. So it's it's not all doom and gloom just yet. No, it is not. And, yeah, next week uh, the penultimate episode recap of this season, which is going to be a lot of fun. It's all about Katie's reaction to seeing Queen Jane voted out. Not that that was a relationship that she seemingly cared about, as we learned in this interview, but it was the fact that she discovers that things aren't exactly what they see. And from this point on, let's be honest, it is the Katie show. And, uh, you know, uh, you don't often talk about David Haas that much. It took you only a you know, long time this episode. So, but now we're finally getting to my other queen, it seems, of this season. It's time to buckle up, Ben. These last couple of episodes, wow. Like, this is what this season should be remembered for. One of the best finishes ever 
in any season of Survivor. I, I still would say the best. The to me, it's 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 a tricky one. But we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks, of course. But I often say that this is like you one of the best finales ever, and I, I still might say it's the greatest finale of Survivor I've ever seen. And big call, maybe who knows? But uh, yeah, it would it would be definitely up there in the conversation for everybody who is enjoying these. Of course, who hasn't already, remember to hit us up on the social pages: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're posting pretty much every single day. Great memories of this season and other seasons along the way too. Of course, as we get to those ones birthday posts when we realize they're on the right day and all that kind of fun stuff so uh we appreciate everybody who interacts with us and chats with us on the social media pages remember if we do get to 500 likes on any of those pages matthew dyson will swing on a vine aka mr ben dark as well as getting to a thousand on any of those pages he will show this infamous video which i still feel matt is going to be nice at some point in cave and do both anyway so we'll see that at some point i i actually have not i know we talked about this in the last couple of weeks dig through my files to see if i have any of i've got my survivor ones i would say that i know i've got my survivor ones it's that big brother one that is the one that would be embarrassing to watch because survivor ones they're boring there's one with me with t-bird that's okay but the other ones are kind of kind of crap you can see why they threw mine in the bin so i don't know we'll put a goal on that one maybe have we seen cables yet we haven't. I thought uh, we were going to possibly show I've, his. I've seen a screenshot of it. Uh, <laughs> that's about as much as I, I. That's more than I've seen of yours. I, I don't know what you look like as an eighteen-year-old Matt. I have my visions in my head, but I don't know if they are <laughs> correct. But yeah, no. I, Cables is another one out there too. And in all seriousness, like we've got, we've said this before. I think let's say it again. If if you listening to this show and you applied for the show. And you are willing to show us your audition tape. We would love to see it. We would actually legitimately love to see other audition tapes. And we, and we can maybe come together, be Ben Dark for a night and host a over-the-top episode where one of us dresses up as Catwoman. We can awkwardly interview Ethan via satellite. So, you know, wh- why not make a night out of it? Zoom exists now, right? I'm glad we're bringing up Kitty again. It's been a, it's been many months since we brought her up on on one of our recaps, but um, oh, that that audition special will go down in history as one of the weirdest but greatest tele- television events in history. There, there's a real test for you, Mister Bloodhound. Let's find everyone. Find us an interview with Kitty. Like find Kitty. Oh geez, that could be hard. I'm still, I'm still looking for Ben Dark. Ben. Well, we when you mentioned about not being brought up in months, it was like we haven't mentioned Ben Dark. Our, our search has just died. Like I, I want us to end this season not with a Stephen Peters it's, interview. I want us to end this season with a Ben Dark interview. All right, Ben. Here's the deal. So the case has gone cold. It I, has. I'm going to admit it here. It is a, it's a cold case, and you know I'm a traffic cop. But all right, for the next for the next month, I'm going to put myself into the cold case unit, and I'm going to try to tra- I'm going to give one last look, one last investigation into this, and I'm going to try to track him down. Now, now I just want to do this as a bit of a teaser because uh, we haven't really announced our finale episode yet. I mean, we kind of have, we kind of haven't in terms of who we've got lined up for an interview. But let's just say this: the interview that we will be our last interview this season, unless we get Ben Dark, we recorded several months ago. Now I am transcribing that interview at the time of recording this, so I've been listening to it again and he did mention in that interview this person that we interviewed that the last he heard he was living on a farm somewhere basically tending to a farming business so if we can find out what area of the country that is in then maybe that will surely there's not many darks living in the middle of country australia somewhere so look 
I, I've been impressed with your skills. You've got us, Jeff. You've got us, everyone else you've got us so far. We've got other great people lined up for the rest of this season, really great people lined up. If you get us Ben Dark, I will, if if I ever am in the vicinity of Matthew Dyson, I will kiss your beautiful bald head. I'll leave you on this, Ben. Never count me out. <laughs> if it, actually, I should have said, actually, as incentive, I won't kiss your beautiful bald head. There you go. <laughs> that will be the incentive. Look, I'll, I'll, def- I'll definitely try my best because you're right. We, we need to get him on the show. It would be... It would be a travesty if we if we go through this season and don't get him on. Of course, we're going to get Dicko on hopefully at one point to talk about the next season. He won Celebrity Apprentice. I don't. I can't remember if Ben was on his season that Dicko won, but they're both Celebrity Apprentice alums, so there's a connection there. Who knows? So we can just keep going, you bloodhound, you. I want I want my Ben Dark. All right, I want him on this show, which is just the most random interview ever, but who cares? This is Australian Survivor Archives. We really do appreciate everyone for listening. Of course, also, remember, please subscribe to us on all the relevant podcast channels out there, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know where they all are. Leave us some feedback, and as always, if you want a buff, you still haven't got one of our Aurora buffs, still a couple left, shoot us an email, Archives at hotmail.com and we can hook you up. Uh, you, you have to pay for them, we don't need the money. I'm just trying to say that they're available and we've got to get rid of them somehow. So uh, <laughs> well, just, just please buy the buffs, everyone. That's what we're trying to say. Uh, big thanks to Jane once again for her time. It has been a lot of fun chatting to you and her and Matt today on the show. My name is Ben and I'm going to go and wear a crown of mine because apparently I have one. My name's been Matt Dyson and... Ben, if I would have gone on that season, would you have referred to me as King Matt? No. no. Yeah, but if you were as crap as you were in your actual season, mate, no way. <laughs> All right, guys. Take it easy. See you next time.